What's up, Gang Count Nation? Tashawn Wanna make a hit checking in, and you're about to hear the show presented by Express Sons Rooms of Columbia. Spurs up. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? The show starts in Gamecock fans, welcome home. See how it goes, uh, but we'll be ready to go. It's time to root. J.C. Sherbert. Watch him celebrate now. Bill Molinax. My wife doesn't like hanging around losers. And Jamie Bradford. I'm going to tell you, you look like you joined Doug Dynasty. He almost banked it in. Michi Johnson, that is, last night. Carolina falls to number two Alabama at Colonial Life Arena. Greetings and good morning and welcome aboard Inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Sinorama Studios and, of course, presented by Express Sunrooms. We are also powered by electric bikes of Charleston. It's been 80 degrees all week. If you don't own an electric bike and you want to get one, I'd say it's a pretty good time to do so. ElectricBikesCharleston.com. JC, JB, Phil here until 1 o'clock this afternoon. We will be joined by a couple of guests today, the Mental Edge coming up in the second hour with a green screen that won't stay green for whatever reason here uh, at my house. With Sawyer Nicks, we've had to kind of bump him around a little bit the last uh, the last couple of weeks, but we've got him today in the 12 o'clock hour, and then coming up here in less than a half an hour, in hour number one, that would be Chris Phillips with the Spurs Up show. Lots of reaction, I'm sure, from him and last night's near upset of the Tide in Colonial Life Arena, I mentioned that to both of you yesterday. I thought that this thing might maybe be a little bit closer than people were thinking it was going to be, uh, and it was. Of course, I also continue to not be able to figure out what in the world is happening to my computer here. But yeah, uh, technology. Yeah. yeah. Hey! Let's let's just try the. Uh, Maybe the, it likes the revving the bridge more. Yeah. yeah. Everybody yeah. likes that. Everybody likes that. JB. That's that's awesome. Either that or Meredith's new hat is jinxing me today. It is Thursday, February the twenty third, as we wind down the end of the month of February. Gamecocks continue to win on the baseball field as well as they shut out Queens College yesterday in double figures again on the scoreboard and another ball left the yard for the home run hitting Yardcocks and they've got Pennsylvania coming into town tomorrow for a three-game series. So lots to get to. We know we'll always have football on the agenda and we see all of you there in the Nana Sports chat box uh, ready to jump in and cruise through a couple of hours of Gamecock conversation. What's up, guys? Doing well. Yeah, woke up. 
missed tip off yesterday, fell asleep. <laughs> we were lying in bed watching the penultimate episode of uh, Breaking Bad last night because we're doing a rewatch on that. And uh, yeah, missed missed the game. <laughs> Just watch the baseball game though. I know. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm working my way through Breaking Bad. I, I've I've read that the first season is a little slower than the rest, so I'm I'm trying to kind of gradually consume the first season. I'm sure it'll take off since then. I actually did watch the game. Uh, uh, turn it on when it's 29-25 Gamecocks because I, I really wasn't planning on it, but I, I probably jinxed the team because I sat there and watched the rest. And uh, uh, I, I tell you, you got to be proud of the effort. You got to be proud of the guys that weren't they weren't intimidated. Um, <clears throat> went out there and and what is a very very good to great Alabama team uh, took them to the wire. Should have won the game. Really, um, uh, I didn't come away feeling, you know, whereas like. Arkansas lost, the Georgia loss, uh, a couple of those close losses this year. I, I thought at the end the Gamecocks just weren't good enough. Uh, I think this was more about some mistakes uh, at the end. Um, not that the Gamecocks beat themselves because you, when you Brandon Miller scores 41 points, I mean, you know, they, they obviously <laughs> – the Crimson Tide obviously did some things to win the game, him him in particular. But, you know, I, I thought, you know, just some some maybe some, some bad shots. I thought G.G. – Sort of ran out of gas the second half. They always are going to need him. Uh, Hayden Brown fouling out was unfortunate, and uh, I think that um, you know at, at the end of the day, uh, you know it, it is something you can you know take away and, and, and gain some confidence from. But it, it would have been better to shock the world. And that would have been a shocking upset, guys. I mean, that's a uh, the number two team in the net. I think versus the number two hundred forty three team <laughs> in the country. Uh, with the net, and you know, I, I think too, uh, if Lamont Paris had it to do over again, I think at the end he's probably double teaming Brandon Miller and just uh making him pass the basketball to somebody else. And that's not to say somebody else couldn't beat them, but uh, at that point, you know, that guy uh is a special player, and I've uh, you know, uh, we know what's going on there legally with him, and uh, you know, I, I understand the the frustration with fans when you lose a game like that and you have a guy on the court that, you know, depending on the school you're at or the scenario you're in, you may, he may not even have had to play. Uh, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. And, uh, you know, the Gamecocks, I think, do have some things to build on. You know, two guys, real quick, that I believe have been a key to Carolina getting better this year, and they have gotten better, um, are, are Jacoby Wright and Josh Gray. Uh, I, I think Josh still has a ways to go to develop his offensive game, but he's out there playing. He's out there rebounding. He's a presence on defense. Uh, I like that about him. I mean, when you're seven feet tall, 270 pounds, I mean, man, you, you, you got some physical tools. And then Jacoby Wright's just been really smooth and confident in his shot. Uh, he's drilling shots, and, you know, he, he's grown as a player. I didn't think he was bad last year. I thought he was, a, you know, a freshman, you know, a guy that came in, gave him some good minutes or whatever. Well, now you can start to see him get more confident. And, you know, he was a guy that in recruiting, everybody sort of liked, you know, in-state kid, all that. Um, and, and I think those two guys are big because those aren't necessarily two that I would expect would hit the transfer portal. You never know, especially in basketball. But, uh, you know, I think they're going to get those guys back next year. And uh, you can build, uh, you know, around some of those guys, Zach Davis, the freshman, um, you know, Michi Johnson, uh, I'm sure will come back or go to the league, but I, I don't think he's quite ready for the league. 
because he's already transferred once. So you're kind of starting to see it. And I, I talked earlier, looking for hope, right, uh, with the basketball program. Well, you're starting to kind of get hope because you, you look at some of these guys, uh, and it's not just Gigi Jackson, you know, who will probably not be here next year. It, it's some guys that are going to come back that if you hit, play your cards right, hit the portal well, um, get some guys in there that can help. You, you could change the trajectory uh, next season. Uh, and, and I think that's what most of us that follow this uh, this men's basketball program, it's a labor of love, <laughs> uh, has been over the years. We, we were rewarded one great March about six years ago. But uh, I, uh, those of us that follow this program, I, I think this is what we're all kind of looking for is just hope. And uh, last night did, uh, in a lot of ways, uh, give me hope about the future. Well, they weren't supposed to win the game. They weren't supposed to be in the game. They had a chance to do to win it. They were certainly in it all, all night. The The end of the game, wasn't a big fan of, of what happened there, having Gigi kind of launch. I mean, if you're going to have somebody launch a three, get the ball in Michi Johnson's hands. For God's sakes, he hit one at the end of the first half. That He literally just stopped and popped from half court. Yeah. Um, so, And they had a timeout to burn. I thought that was mismanaged there, unfortunately. Um, and... Um, you know, Alabama, the, the the play on which the Miller kid scored, you knew it was going to 24. You knew it was going to him. Uh, you knew it was going to him as the game continued to go along when they needed points. That's where they were going. The switch didn't happen. You know, um, Verdonk got his feet tangled up. He didn't get there in time or else he would have been in position to maybe take a charge. Uh, and so, obviously, that was – I don't know if it was a mistake or just a misstep or what it was on defense. So, those are the – He's not that fast. I mean, you know, he's not that quick. No, no, he's not. I mean, you know, to your point on Josh Gray, he's developed great. Uh, I love watching him play. I really do. He's probably my favorite kid to watch play. Um, he's enjoying it finally, and it's awesome. Jacoby Wright, you know, they did all this without Chico Carter, too, their best three-point shooter, technically, by percentage. Uh, he wasn't able, able to play last night. Um, with all that said, you know, I, I, um, I, I, this is the first time I've said this, and, and, I, and I, I only say it when I mean it pretty disappointed in what I saw in the second half from from Gigi Jackson just don't like it I mean look he's he's maturing okay he's maturing I think I hope he needs to when you have a half like you did in the first half they're going to focus to shut you down in the second half and Seth Greenberg said it last night and he said it again and you know what he said it a third time I was texting with Mike Morgan about this earlier you have got to find other ways to impact the basketball game when they focus on you. That's what the great players do, all right? Clearly in the first half, it was personal for him, and I don't blame him. You know, freshman versus freshman, two of the top freshmen in the country. At one point in time, they were kind of going back and forth, trading buckets. That was neat and fun to see. It's very rare we see that in Colonial Life Arena, where Carolina presents a freshman that is in the same ballpark as one of the other elite players in the country. And um, you could tell it was like, hey, look, you can score, I can score. You can score, I can score. You could see it in the second half, gassed or not, you got to find ways to impact the basketball game. He did not do that defensively. He took lazy shots. He There was multiple times where there was guys wide open, and he decided he was just going to take it in one-on-one -on -one without even passing the basketball. You can't do that. You know, and you, you can you can or you cannot blame the game on that. Um, you know, at the end of the day, they lost by two points, and there was a few things that go into losing a game like that. I'm not blaming the loss on G.G. Jackson, but I'm saying that his impact in the second half was minimal, and I don't think he did a whole lot about it. There were times when he was going down the floor 
when he didn't get the ball and you could see him visibly frustrated. Well, you might not get the ball every time because they're focused on you, and there's three other guys on the floor right now that are hitting shots, dude. You know, like, don't you want to score? Or is it just about you scoring? I mean, I, I so – I was frustrated watching that. I don't like seeing that in any sport. It is about the name on the front. It is not about the name on the back. And uh, for the first time all year, there was there was at least a piece of me watching him play where I was like, okay, that's enough. That's enough. You know, yeah. I've had enough. If, if you can't score, you can defend. And that's one thing that we always saw out of Frank. And we know that Lamont teaches and preaches this too. And it's going to happen in his program. You will defend, period. Like, you will defend or you won't play. And and last night in the second half at times, I felt he was very lethargic in, in what he was doing as a team basketball player. And and that's unfortunate because he had a chance to pull a, one of the more stunning upsets that we've seen in a long, long time. Yeah, it would have been, uh, gosh, basketball upsets like that are, are pretty rare, especially, you know, with a team like Alabama. Gosh, I guess I could compare it. Wake Forest one year was not that good. Uh, Bob Stack was coaching him. It was before Dave Odom even got there. And uh, one night on the Jefferson Pilot ACC game of the week, that's why folks that are wondering why people in the upstate follow ACC basketball still is because all it's all that was on. Uh, they went into Winston-Salem, North Carolina did, had an 80-65 to 65 lead and lost. <laughs> and that was a shocking game because Wake finished last in the ACC. That's the only thing that came to mind. You know, as far as Carolina goes, you know, even that that Devin Downey team that beat Kentucky, that was a losing team, but but they were competitive. You know, there were some games that could have gone either way. Um, and then you, you know, I started I started thinking, I was like, when when have I seen anything like this? And I'd probably have to go back to like the George Felton era uh, and say, well, uh, like uh, I think like ninety. Gamecocks had a lot of injuries, and, and they were 14 and 14. And Clemson won the ACC that year. Eldon Campbell, Dale Davis, that, that crew, David Young, do you remember that? They went to the Sweet 16 and lost to Connecticut on the last second shot. But the Gamecocks played Clemson twice uh, during those days. And at the Coliseum, they beat them 54-53. Stephon Eggers, by the way, mm-hmm. 18 points in that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, my, my memory is coming back. I can't remember like the uh, recruits' names anymore, but I can remember the Stefan Eggers from Soxty High School via Sweden or Germany or one of those places. <laughs> one of them places over there, uh, you know, uh, scored 18 in that game. I and mean, he didn't do much other than that during his career. But uh, that would have that been kind of up there with that because, you know, a 500 team from the Metro Conference beating the ACC champs was something else and certainly beating the second ranked team in the country uh, in your building. I mean, next to that Kentucky win, who was number one in the regular season, you know, that, that's as big as it gets. So yeah. Uh, yeah. it's disappointing. Uh, I, I'm with you on GG. I think, uh, you know, and, and look, he's probably going pro regardless uh, for reasons other than like just actual basketball performance. I I think he's still good enough to go in the first round. I I think that when you can do that, you can really change your trajectory financially, uh, especially with the the current collective bargaining agreement. And that's the whole reason he's at South Carolina now, or one of the major drivers was, you know, North Carolina did not have room for him to come in early. Uh, So he'd go to South Carolina, graduate high school early, uh, and then declare and get to the NBA before the new collective bargaining agreement. And um, I think that's still the plan, but certainly 
uh, it's a team sport. And uh, when you don't play team basketball, you don't help yourself individually because you're sitting there trying to force things yourself when other guys are, are open. You know, what you have to do is make people pay for it. It's just like football, you know, or any sport. You know, one guy's getting shut down. Well, that gives opportunity to someone else. You know, you know, even in baseball, you protect the, you know, you hear about people protecting the guy in the lineup. You know what I'm saying? Uh, you know, one guy's getting kind of all the focus. The other guy before him or behind him can can make up for it. So, I uh, that was disappointing because um, it could have been for him last night. You know, you, you look at the first half and you go, "Wow!" But then in the second half, the, the takeaway is, "Ah, didn't put together." You know, he he was not not anywhere close to Brandon Miller uh, as far as the impact Brandon uh, made oh, on the kids game. Kids and Brandon, Brandon's also 20 years old. You know, they're both freshmen, but Brandon's two years older than Gigi. Yeah, huge so, difference. But, um, yeah, yeah Ke- I think Mike or Seth Greenberg won compared him to Kevin Durant. It was one of those yep. guys that was talking yeah. about, yeah, that's that's it exactly who he reminds me. Six nine plays like a point guard. Plays downhill. I mean, he, he, yeah. he just keeps coming. He just keeps coming. I mean, that's – Gigi hasn't learned that yet. You know, he, he hadn't figured that. I'm not criticizing him. And I'm not a basketball coach either. Don't take me for some version of Coach K. It's not what I'm saying. But we do have eyes. We understand that. Like, good players attack. And 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 he hasn't quite learned. If he had um, a little bit of the, like, is, is attackability even a word? Like Michi kind of does. He'd be a, yeah. a more complete player. You know? And and so, I like, I don't want to turn this into, whole you know, this whole thing of just banging this kid. Because he is a good kid. You know? But, but he's he's got a lot of growing up to do and for those that want to continue to apologize what about the rest of the dudes on that team never thought about that there's a bunch of other kids out there that are playing their asses off for the for carolina and you know here i am standing outside the three-point line and you're taking on three guys on a dribble and i'm just standing here waiting hey mine throw it into me I, i can hit that shot you know so there are other players on the team that you know want to win too they're trying to rebuild this program and so i i, I didn't i didn't like that I, I really didn't and you know i i hope that something changes I, I don't know i did i did see lamont in practice the other day said hey look every year there's a team that's totally off the radar that gets hot at the right time makes a bunch of noise let's be that team and and i thought that was a really neat comment you know so we'll see how they respond because you got to go to tennessee which they never play well up there, and they certainly don't play well against Tennessee just in general because of the defensive pressure that they put on you uh, and the quote-unquote, as I just mentioned, team basketball that they play. Going into a game like that, coming off of a heartbreaker like Alabama is going to be really difficult, so we'll see how Coach Paris gets it's in. It's going to be a slow uh, – yeah, it, it, I'd be shocked if it were close. But uh, and Tennessee's yeah, been kind of reeling, so they, they're going to need the win, right? Yeah, yeah, they know yeah, what's they're coming. desperate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're they're a little desperate. You kind of hate that the last three games of the season have Tennessee at the beginning of the stretch, and you don't get to like you know Georgia Saturday yeah. and then flip those around. You know that way you can continue to build some momentum. But yeah, I think it, the rug will be pulled out from under them up in Knoxville. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, because they they unlike you know Rick Barnes teams are going to defend you. I mean, mm-hmm. if you look at. Absolutely. Most of the teams Carolina's played this year that will get in your grill and defend you. Texas A&M, for example, 40-point loss. You know, Tennessee is a 40-point loss. Uh, you know, teams like that, Carolina really really has struggled. And, and I think uh, to Vanderbilt's credit in the first half when they came into Colonial Life Arena, 
I thought they got out and guarded Carolina pretty well. You know, I mean, I thought Arkansas, I guess, was a close game and, and they guard, but uh, yeah, Tennessee's just a, a, a different level. Now, sometimes their games are ugly. You know, I can see Carolina going up there and Tennessee can't hit the broad side of a barn and game guys lose like 57 45, something like that. You know, I can, I can see that realistically, but you know, they're always going to play. Rick Barnes' team's always going to play defense, always going to have team basketball concepts and, you know, just can't say enough good about the job he does. And, you know, you, you take your lick and, you know, hope that you can uh, get some players in here and uh, get the Gamecocks back up and rolling next year. But I did just from the other guys, because I agree with you on Jackson, the, the other guys, I kind of got for the first time some hope, you know, because the, these guys, like I said, Michi's coming back. Jacoby Wright's probably back. Josh Gray's back. Uh, really, they liked what they got. We're getting out of Daniel Hank and Sanford before. I guess he's hurt. Um, you've got, uh, you know, Zach Davis played really well, true freshman. He's got a lot of upside. So there, there's a small nucleus there. Uh, and, you know, just like most years, it's going to depend on how they do with the portal. Yeah, there's no question. No question. Tough loss last night for Carolina, and we'll, we'll see if they can continue to to play well down the stretch. The good, the good news is, um, as we all know, if you can if you can get it through to your club, the slate is wiped clean once you get to the tournament. Uh, you know, it's it's clean. It's a clean slate. You just got to go yeah, out and win a bunch of games. And Carolina's gonna have what a Wednesday, Tuesday, Wednesday game. And uh, I guess the tournament's in Nashville again this year. Or is it? Is this one of the years it's off? Um, yeah, they'll, they'll probably if, if Carolina can finish eleventh or twelfth, they'll be playing like a team that's like lower than them in the standings and you win that one. And then you get a you know, five or six seed and, you know, who knows, you know, and, and, and I've seen, you know, Frank Martin's team the year before they won 25 and went to the NIT where they got screwed. And I'll continue to always say it's a screw job. Uh, that team finished 17 and 16, but they got hot. It was one of the few times Frank Martin advanced in the SEC tournament. They got hot and went two and one. Um, Clinched that winning record would have been an NIT team and the rules not changed. And uh, that kind of set them up for the next year where, you know, they went out and, you know, started winning. So, I, and I, I'm not certainly not predicting that for this bunch because so much depends on the transfer portal. But uh, uh, I think that sometimes making a run late can facilitate confidence uh, heading into that next season. Yeah. It's all about the draw, as y'all know, in, in the league tournament. You know, if you, if you, you, you want to – the teams that you don't match up against, Tennessee, for instance, like you don't want to have to run into those guys in the second game or the third game. You want to make sure they have enough opportunities to get knocked off before you move on. You've beaten Kentucky. Uh, you've taken Alabama to the wire. Obviously, Alabama's got a bunch of stuff going on with their program they're trying to work through um, and things of that nature. So, we'll see. We'll see. But uh, I'm, not, I'm not predicting anything. I don't want this to – to run itself over to that doofus with the with the Clemson Twitter account and all that, and everybody thinking I'm pumping pumping sunshine. I'm not saying put that. You, uh, put you on the spreadsheet, man. Yeah. The, the, all, I'm the, the, the spreadsheet. all I'm saying is, you know, we, we you know, if there's a positive, that's a positive. They do have to go to the uh, to the SEC tournament at some here in a couple of weeks and, and still go play basketball. The the good news though is that the baseball team just continues to kind of you know score runs 12 more last night on the board against queen's college so uh they are just pounding the baseball i know there's a couple of ab's a couple of guys like to have back but they didn't allow a run they did walk six guys but sometimes those things happen in midweek games they these dudes have played uh five games in 
six days. Uh, they played Friday, Saturday, Sunday. They had Monday off. They played Tuesday, Wednesday. They'll have today off, and they play three more uh, this weekend. But nonetheless, Carolina is 5-0 and yeah, against uh, the Queens Royals, which is a very interesting collegiate athletic name, if you ask me. But, yeah, next uh, next up are the Penn Quakers, which I have been on that campus before. It's actually pretty nice, although it's in Philadelphia, which is not nice. Um, but, ben uh, Franklin. Good win. Good ben win. freaking Franklin, baby. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's what, like, uh, somebody was talking about, like, Virginia. Like, they're going through the ACC, like, talking about the different campuses one day, and it's just like – they got in Virginia and they were like Thomas F and Jefferson. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> so, so for me, it's like Penn is like Ben F and Franklin, man. <laughs> so rock on. Yeah. <laughs> Constitutional conviction. I don't know. Man. Maybe not. So, I love it. Is Penn, Penn's going to be the strongest uh, club we played, uh, you know, in this early I think part so. of the season. Uh, yeah, they picked, what, second, I think, uh, preseason Ivy League. Uh, yeah. yeah. be a decent team. We get Mike. Yeah, they were pretty good last year, actually. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, they I beat Texas a and in, in Aggieland. Mm-hmm. So, the, yeah, they're I not going to come in intimidated, right? No, no. And, and to kind of set the stage, you know, if you can get through it without any slip-ups and you've, you've got North Carolina A&T next Tuesday – uh, again, you coming up starting tomorrow, you got four games in five days again. You get through that, you get a couple of days off, then you got the Clemson series. So you're you're sit you beat you're five and zero right now. You be nine and zero going into the Clemson series and and in the top twenty somewhere. Uh, that's what you want, you know. That's that's what you want. You, you and then you go out and try to win that series, and then you then you kind of feel like you're off and running. Um, yeah. With the, you know the Citadel and USC Upstate and so on and so forth. Following, by the way, this is the season season opener for Penn. They have not played a game yet. So. Yeah, no. I think aren't they one of those teams that they they open it a little bit later, maybe a week later, and they kind of take the Southern tour for a month before heading back up north. Yeah, well, yeah, they got three at Carolina, and then they got uh, next week they go to Lamar, which is in Beaumont, Texas, East Texas, yeah. and then they go to Nickel. They go hit Louis after that. This looks like. Like a, a separate road trip because next week, JB, they go Lamar, that's in Beaumont, Texas, East Texas, toward New Orleans. They go to Nickel State, which is in Louisiana, and then Tulane for three. So that's there March 3rd through 12th. And that's, I, I would I would not be surprised if that was also maybe University of Pennsylvania spring break because it's an Ivy League school. And oh, we're not going to let our baseball team Chiefs go on a <laughs> nine game road trip down there to where they sell crawfish. They eat crawfish, for God's sake. Um, oh, yeah, no problem, Carruthers. Uh, and, uh, you know, so I would guess that's spring break, too. So, yeah, three at Lamar, two at Nichols, three at Tulane. Uh, but this is – this. I think I think this one will kind of be like a fly down, fly back. Kind of you know, you know or, what's or drive. I, I know we got to hit a break, but you know what's really interesting? I just pulled up their schedule, and I forgot about this. These Ivy League schools, they play um, double dips on Saturday, and then yeah. they they play one on Sunday. Um, and so like after they, that trip to Tulane, they go back after that, they, God bless them. They're never out of the Northeast again, Pennsylvania, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, New York, yada, yada, yada. But, but they play the double dips. So they'll, they'll, they will have Fridays off and then they'll play, I think it's two sevens on Saturday and then mix in a nine on Sunday before hitting the road, wherever they go. So I've always found that weird. I don't like it. Um, you're actually seeing a lot of that now, like in the SoCon. 
in, in places like that, I, I just I don't like it. I don't think it's good at all. You can't bring a guy back in game two that you only threw for 10 or 15 pitches in game one. Um, so, but it, but it is pretty interesting. So we'll see what type of brand they, uh, baseball they bring this weekend. Yeah, should be, should be. It's not going to be as easy. Uh, I think, of course, I thought UMass Lowell could present some problems with the, the way they run the, run the bases. And then Gwynthrop's always, it's probably not, my guess is not the strongest Winthrop team ever, but, uh, uh, they given the Gamecocks fits over the years too. So, I mean, you know, so it may not even matter, but uh, I think that Penn's success last year at A&M, probably that's a good for, for Mark Kingston, Monty Lee, uh, Justin Parker, the coaching staff, probably a good kind of like, Hey guys, you know, you don't want to lose to these guys because they're tough. You know, let's, let's be on our A game a little bit better. Um, you know, I, I think sometimes it's good when a team like this has had some success that it kind of gets your guys' attention a little bit. It is time for a timeout, I believe, right, Phil? Yeah. Okay. Yep. We'll hit it. Chris, we'll get it Chris. We'll here soon. Okay. Yep. So we'll hit a quick timeout. And when we return, the host of the Spurs Up show, Chris Phillips, joins us on Inside the Gamecocks at the show. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Gamecocks. Are you looking to buy a new home? Kevin O'Connell with Union Home Mortgage is a local mortgage expert and Gamecocks fan servicing North and South Carolina. Whether you're buying a home, building your dream home with new construction, or turning your equity into cash, UHM's world-class service will ensure you find the perfect mortgage to achieve your home ownership goals. Call Kevin at 803-906-0244 or visit UHM.com today. Union Home Mortgage is an equal housing lender. NMLS 2229 LONMLS 1772182. Gamecock Nation, JB here, and I'm here to tell you about my new favorite painting company, A Couple of Painters. These guys are the best. Gamecock fans and excellent painters, and by far the best and easiest quote I've received. They're licensed in both South Carolina and Georgia. They offer 10% off for military, repeat customers, or if you heard it on the show, commercial and residential painting, deck, fence, and cabin staining, cabinet and furniture refinishing. They'll even remove popcorn ceilings and wallpaper, and they offer pressure washing. Find them on Facebook or call 803-522-6832. A couple of painters, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues, and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts, but I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh, Do you have 843-699-1001 as Matt's contact number? Yeah, man, I sure do that, or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) 
I'm getting on that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or HeritageDigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. This is former All-American shortstop Drew Meyer, and you're listening to Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Go Gamecocks. Welcome back to Inside the Gamecocks, the show brought to you by Express Sunrooms of Columbia. Give John Barber and his team a call, 803-446-4662, to set up a no-obligation consultation about a potential backyard retreat for your home. And, of course, the first hour of the show is brought to you by Cindy Searfoss and the Coldwell Banker Kane Realty team here in the upstate. Cindy's in Spartanburg, waiting for your call at 864-414-5271 for all your upstate residential real estate needs. And it's Thursday, so what does that bring us on the McKellar Enterprises guest line? None other than Chris Phillips for a high-energy segment. Chris, how you doing? Baseball looking good? Heartbreak on the court last night? I mean, you know, could have been better, I guess, one point away from, two points away from a win so that everybody would have won. But, hey, we'll take it, right? <laughs> yeah, no, a thrilling ball game last night. JC, JB, Phil, what's going on, JC? Your hair looks fantastic, my friend. I know, it's amazing, Phenomenal. Right? Phenomenal. I, I saw a couple of days ago, I was like scrolling through Twitter and I saw the, the live show feed pop up and I was like, look at JC. I think it's the same reaction too, though, when I don't wear a hat, it's, it's, it's just like, uh, yeah, you know, it's got to pe- keep people on their toes. But no, I mean, J- last J- night, he looks like a different person when he didn't wear a hat. I, I'm not used to him <laughs> yeah. ever. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's, so, that's kind of yeah. how I feel like when I go play golf, when I wear a golf polo and the, I'm like, this, I kind of feel like a different human being, but you know, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, no, nah, man, it was a thriller last night. You know, unfortunately, we've sort of become numb to the heartbreak, I think. But, you know, it's interesting and, and not trying to, like, wear garnet glasses. But I really came away from the game encouraged, to be honest with you, because I, I didn't have high hopes or expectations. I thought Alabama was going to come in and kind of have their way. So to see South Carolina, I, I just feel like, you know, there's glimpses of hope. You know, you're looking for positives. You're trying to draw positives from Year one, Lamont Paris and what he's building. And I think maybe it's a game like last night that you can kind of look at and say, okay, like, you know, this is Lamont Paris can do this here. You know, if he's taking the guys he has on this roster right now and putting together that kind of effort. And I think, you know, again, is the bar low? Certainly, sure, whatever. But, uh, you know, the guys haven't quit on the season and, and, and he's keeping them getting after it and playing well. And you'll have one more opportunity to win on your home floor, obviously, against Georgia. Uh, next weekend, but uh, I mean, certainly a tough one, man. And I, I didn't have a great feeling when it went to overtime. You just kind of felt like the better team's probably going to win. But again, kudos to them. It felt like every single time I felt like, okay, this is going to be the moment Alabama pulls away. South Carolina just doesn't have the horses. I mean, you kept fighting, right? Michi Johnson would hit a big – Jacoby Wright would hit a big shot. G.G. Jackson, Hayden Brown, you'd get a big stop defensively. So – um, you know, it was heartbreak. It was really tough. You know, we, we can talk the whole – and I didn't spend a ton of time talking about the whole Miller situation because the bottom line is he played. It doesn't matter what we say. He played. Um, so, yeah, I mean, a tough one for sure. But I was proud of the effort and the resiliency and the fight. And then, like you said, man, on the diamond. I mean, who could have seen this coming, right? <clears throat> a team hitting 374. Um, you know, just an incredible start of the season. The pitching's phenomenal. Everything is good. So far, so good. And it's going to be a really fun weekend against the Penn Quakers, I think will be a bet your best or your uh, your stiffest challenge of the season thus far. Going to be a lot of fun at Founders Park this weekend, but a, a great start for sure on the diamond. 
Yeah, no doubt, man. I, I And I think you made a good point because there was a couple of times later in the game last night when Bama would go up four. And I thought that's where, man, you know, if they hit a three, if I can keep my screen from going green, uh, <laughs> I could finish one of these conversations. I don't know if I've been hacked or what the hell's going on here. St. Patrick's Day, man. It's a leprechaun. That's what's coming yeah, up. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I want the green. I want the green on the screen now. Let me go back to the Sarge no. and see if this will work. Um, yeah, I, I I kept thinking, well, you know, um, if they if if Carolina doesn't go down and and kind of respond here, and they come back and this twenty four, the Miller kid pops a three, it's you, yeah. you know you you'll probably start to feel the energy because there was energy in that building. It was it was neat to see the students, but they didn't let that happen. And um, and I think JC, you pointed out earlier, there's. There's a lot of development going on on the floor. I, I'm not, I'm not going to speak for for Gigi Jackson right now. I mean, I know he's developed, um, but you can you can see development in Jacoby Wright. You can see it in Josh Gray. You can see it this year in Chico, even though he didn't play last night. Um, Michi has has come a long way with just how he's handling the basketball team. I mean, technically, this team should be on his shoulders, and and he's come a long way. So. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I think I think Chris, what I'm really interested to see is is how Coach Paris will get these guys up off the mat because it's not like the next game is <laughs> Ole Miss or LSU. They got they got to go to Knoxville, and they, this is a bad matchup for them. Mm. Yeah, it's going to be tough, man. The 11th ranked Volunteers, but no. To your point, man, I, I've loved to see the evolution of a guy like a Jacoby Wright, Josh Gray. I mean, this is kind of the guy we've been waiting on him to be for a couple of years, and. You know, not not speaking to the previous regime. Obviously, Frank Martin did a great job in Columbia, but I'm not sure we really saw that. Or maybe that's one of those things that we were just kind of waiting to see. And so, I, you know, again, I think you got to give credit to Lamont Paris. You also think that this season, you know, having the guts to bench a guy like a Gigi Jackson, and it looks like it's played out really, really well. Um, I thought Gigi definitely had that chip on his shoulder last night because of the whole uh, the whole matchup with he and, uh, and and Walker on the Alabama side, kind of proving I'm the best freshman, which, again, was a ton of fun to watch. But, uh, again, like you mentioned, JB, I, I just look and I think there are positive signs and there's a long way to go, right? We, you know, he's got to build out his roster and I'm sure they'll, they'll hit the portal once again, what have you, and, and try to gather the pieces and you know, I don't know exactly how far away South kind of basketball is, but again, it's it is performances last night that make me feel optimistic that uh, you know Paris can get this thing rolling, and once he he builds out this roster a bit, like you said, we've seen the development and we're starting to maybe see some improvement, and you know certainly you'd like to see that translate to wins. And you're right, you're right, responding right because you, you can, you know, if you come away dejected and you hang your head and. I mean, you don't need to allow Bama to beat you twice. Tennessee can beat you without any help, right? So that's going to be a tough game, obviously, at their place. But, uh, you know, it'll be interesting to see how you close out the season. And going in the SEC tournament, I mean, I think, I think South Carolina could actually be a pretty a scary team, if you will. It could be a dangerous team. So um, you got to try to pull those positives from year one. But, uh, you know, all in all, I will say, seeing the evolution of a Jacoby Wright has been a lot of fun. That's a guy that I've loved yeah. watching the games that we got on campus and – I mean, to see him hit big shot after big shot last night was incredible. So, um, yeah, it's it'll be interesting to see how they close out the season, and certainly Saturday and Knoxville, what we what will be a really really tough game. JC, by the way, has a uh, a um, this new tactic of when he hears something he doesn't agree with, he just 
he just dumps out and uh, <laughs> waits on you to finish. I hear you. I'm not Nothing sure what you said that pissed him off, but nah, okay. yeah, it was I'm really reserving good. mine for later. Yeah, he just basically. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, um, easy. No, I actually agree with Chris completely because it, it like the word hope, you know, because I, I, I've been. I've been, I've just been lacking it about the, the whole men's basketball program the whole year. I mean, it, it, it's frustrating as all get out to see them beat a team like Clemson and Clemson is a good basketball team this year. Um, and then turn around and gets waxed by three straight mid majors. Right. So what? I'm just laughing at Phil. He's Phil, Phil, Phil's. Feels like a snake, man. He's slithers, and you're like, but no, um, yeah, and, and but I think I think when you look and it hit me last night, I was like, you know, this is Jacoby Wright really started playing better about mm. three or four games ago, you know, and and, and hitting shots, he's confident okay. in his shot. Um, he was a pretty relatively highly regarded recruit, you know, when when Frank got him, I think. A lot of times in basketball, we rush guys, you know, if they're, they're supposed to be good. If, if they're not good as freshmen, we just kind of oh, toss them away. But he's come on. You know, you mentioned Josh Gray. I think this offseason for him is going to be huge in terms of <laughs> developing more of an offensive game around the rim. But, hey, he couldn't do much of anything. He couldn't even grab a rebound last yeah. year at seven foot 270. So uh, he's hitting the boards, and, and that, that's, that's step one to your foundation. Uh, and then, of course, Michi Johnson doesn't have another transfer, so I, I, I can't see him hitting the portal or going pro. I think he'll be back next year. That's the catalyst. So you're starting to look at it. You know, Zach Davis did, has done some nice things, uh, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you're starting to look at it and go, hey, if they can get three or four guys out of the portal and hit them, you know, good basketball players. Yeah. Uh, and then he got the transfer from Coastal, who had to redshirt this year or whatever with the injury. You know, maybe you could put something together. And, and mm-hmm. I think playing well down the stretch of this season, Chris, and, and, you know, see if you agree with me or not, as we've talked about before you know, on your show and here, could help get the, the nucleus of this team more confident. That way when Lamont goes and gets some help for these guys, you know, you have that core leadership that it facilitates through that, and, and it'll be a more confident basketball team taking the court now, next season. Yeah, I mean, JC, to your point, hope is not a strategy, but without hope you have nothing, right? So yeah. to – to have some glimmers of hope. And, and I think, too, what people don't give enough credit to is the challenge of a first-year coach to get a bunch of guys to believe in him that, you know, he didn't recruit them. He's not really even familiar with them at all. I mean, I think that's one of the things when we talk about Shane Beamer that I think people don't even give enough credit to is the fact that he does what he's doing with guys that they don't – they didn't have a pre-existing loyalty to him, right? And they could have just wandered anyway way and – Instead of doing that, they buy into what he's preaching, buy into the culture. And again, that's something I think you got to give a lot of credit to. And you're seeing that buy in. I don't think you hang around with an Alabama unless you have a bunch of guys that believe in what Paris is is preaching, if you will. And of course, when you have a guy like Gigi Jackson, it helps with immense talent. And the goal is to get more guys like that. But like you mentioned, it gives you that hope. It, It does give you that hope. And I think, you know, JC, you brought up the point that Lamont Paris, what told, uh, told Derek Scott, I think, that we could have hit the portal harder. I don't think that should be an issue this time around. I think that should be a learning lesson, and they should absolutely hammer the transfer portal for all the top talent they can get because it certainly benefits a school like South Carolina. But, uh, no, it does give you hope moving forward that uh, you can continue to make progress. And I don't think – I think, you know, something that maybe benefits Lamont Paris is the expectations are going to be very fair. You know, obviously Frank Martin was dismissed because the expectations were higher than one tournament in a decade. But 
I don't know how much higher they really are. And I'm saying that like, I don't think next year is going to be NCAA tournament or bust. So he's going to have an opportunity to have a ramp up period. And nobody's going to be expecting you to, to win the SEC next year. But if you just continue to make progress, add good players, again, like you said, you bring back a great nucleus as well of a couple of those guys that uh, are making contributions late again. Hope. Hope is that key word. I think it does give you hope going into year two of his tenure. Yeah, you and you mentioned Derek. Derek told me before the season, um, I was up in Columbia, he said Josh Gray is literally one of the nicest people he's ever met in his life. He said he's like a big teddy bear, and he if he could get meaner, it would benefit him well. Well, he has gotten meaner. You know, you could see it out there on the floor. I'll tell you what else is mean, Chris. He's from Brooklyn, New York. How's he not mean? Well, it didn't make any sense. He's from New York. He's from the city. I agree with you. I was me and Matt Campbell were sitting. Matt looked at Derek and was like, "Mean the kid's seven feet tall. He's three hundred pounds almost. How how soft can he get?" He said, "He's pretty nice kid." Uh, So we uh, only in South Carolina do you recruit a seven footer from New York City. Yeah, the, the, yeah, this is the nicest guy ever. Hey, yeah, what's Chris, up? Chris Silva, give him In a basketball. BB gun. He'd turn him around quick. Um, <laughs> speaking of speaking of mean, uh, Gamecock bats have been hurting feelings for about a week now. Twenty home runs have left the yard uh, after last night's game. Um, it is the, probably the most difficult stretch so far this year with Penn coming in this weekend, but. Um, you know, we've had a lot of conversations that all actually in the same over the last couple of weeks, Chris. We've talked to Coach Kingston. We've talked to Monty. We talked to Coach Lake yesterday. We talked to Wingo. And all of them, when they describe the offense, you look out there and you see it. Um, they, they're all saying it and their their way of saying it, but it's the same offense that they're describing and how the approach is a little bit different and all those type of things. So, um, you know, kind of compare and contrast what you've seen early this year versus what you've seen early in the last couple of years. Yeah, the approach is definitely different in, in a positive way. Um, and you look at this weekend against Penn, JB, I think you bring up a great point. This will be the best competition you face at this point. And I, and I don't want to, like, anoint Penn or anything like that because you're going to get into the SEC, which is the best of the best. But you look at the Quakers, you know, they had an RPI that floated in the high 40s, low 50s last season, took two of three against Texas A&M to open the season, a Texas A&M team that went to Omaha. Uh, they actually return – you know, per D1Baseball.com, the preseason pitcher of the year and who I think will go tomorrow for them uh, in the Southpaw, Owen Cody. They've also got Wyatt Hensler, who's their third baseman, who was a third-team All-American last year. Uh, they're projecting him as the player of the year in the Ivy League. They had 10 guys named the All-Ivy League team last year. Six of those return. Basically, their entire infield, except their second baseman, is back. Uh, so they're a veteran ball club, and they'll come into Columbia expecting to win. I think what's interesting, too, this will be opening day for Penn tomorrow. They haven't played a game yet. But back to the approach, JB, when you look at that, you know, I, I think the Kingston's credit, a lot of what he said in the preseason, I'm sure what he said to you guys it's come to fruition. I mean, it just looks like a lineup full of veteran dudes. You know, it looks like a bunch of guys. Uh, they're not phased by the stage. They have a plan. I'm seeing a lot of calm approaches. I'm not seeing the guys swinging a lot of bad pitches. I feel like guys are getting their pitch, and when they do get it, and if, if the pitcher makes a mistake, they're hammering it. They're not missing very often, right? But it's, it's a lot of mm-hmm. under-control swings. Uh, again, it feels like guys are going up there with a plan, and we'll see as the competition ramps up, right? It's, it's much tougher to have a plan against – Paul Skeens throwing 99 miles an hour, Florida Sunday guy throwing 97, and that's when you make the adjustment. That that's guy is one of the biggest things I'm looking forward to and or looking for in the Penn series because, to your point, JB, again, the approaches have been, have been so great to this point. The patience, I think, is what really stands out to me, and I think that's the biggest difference because, you know, some people look at this group and they say, 
you know, it's 2021 all over again with the 20 home runs, but it just doesn't feel the same, does it? Like, I I feel like it's not this feast or famine approach, right? South Carolina, they're working counts. They're getting on base. I mean, you look, I think you've drawn, I've got the numbers pulled up here, 36 walks, and you've been hit by pitches 19 times. You're 5'10 on base percentage. I mean, you think about it, you're getting guys on. I've seen a lot of two-out hitting. I've seen situational hitting. Just a lot of things we hadn't seen in the past, right? And, again, that comes from – Guys like a Will McGillis, who have been on the stage before. Gavin Cassis, who has played SEC baseball before. Um, you know, guys that are a year older in your Lee Croys and Messinas and Hornungs. And it just looks like a, a much more older, mature group of hitters. But against Penn, right, you're not going to score double digits every single game. It, it's just unrealistic. I just want to see the consistency in the approach. That, that's what I'm looking for, right? Because you don't need to score 10 runs a game. Your pitching staff's pretty damn good, too. They've been overshadowed. Their start of the season because the offense has been so good. But I just want to see consistency in the approach. Don't get out of yourself. Don't don't try to do too much. Uh, again, stay consistent. Drive the baseball gap. The gap. The home runs are going to come. You play in a ballpark that's built for it, and you got a bunch of big, strong kids that have power. So, um, you know, it, so far, so good. I mean, it's been an incredible start. Consistency in the approach is what I want to see. But, uh, I mean, you couldn't have drawn up a better start for the bats for sure. Well, and to kind of – tack on to what you were saying the 55 combined hbps and walks only struck out uh, 33 times so you're yeah. talking about 22 times on more that you've been on base via the walk or H- or hbp which I-, I can only imagine what scott wingo's thinking down there at third base <laughs> uh you know versus 33 times you've had to walk back to the dugout with really really without doing anything productive I mean, that's how you score runs. I mean, yeah. and you're going to have to have that all year. It doesn't matter who you play. You have to have that throughout the season. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, patience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Patience is a big, like you mentioned, 2021, Chris. Uh, to me, and then see if you agree, I, that 2021 team, uh, yeah, Wes Clark was crushing it out of the yard, you know, and, and they had guys that could, could hit that. But an awful lot of strikeouts, even, even after that hot start, yeah. uh, hitting the long ball. And I think that's what's going to pay off an SEC play, right? Because, you know, scoring these gaudy numbers, it's not about beating UMass Lowell. It's not about beating Winthrop Queens. It's not even about beating Penn. All due respect to everybody you play, it's about showing positive signs that will carry over into SEC play. And so getting guys on base, stealing bases, being productive at the plate, no matter the situation, right? The home runs are going to be there. You play at South Carolina. Right, like you have power, you you have the ability to drive the baseball. You're probably not on this roster if you can't do that. But when you're not hitting home runs, being productive and finding ways to score and finding ways to win, I've also seen JB and guys. I've seen South kind of take advantage. Hey, when a team makes an error, they walk a guy, you punish them, and that's what you yeah. should do as a group of hitters, right? And in the SEC, that'll be at a premium. You face a guy like again, like a Skeens. I keep mentioning his name, but because LSU's the, the talk of college baseball, but you face these big-time Friday night guys, it's going to be tough to score runs. You're not going to score double digits. You might have to win a game two to one. So when a guy gives up a walk, they make an error, you got to be able to take advantage of it, get him over, get him in, what have you. And uh, so, again, I'm excited for what we've seen. Again, it'll be really interesting this weekend to see the competition ramp up a little bit. Uh, But I have picked the sweep because, guys, the good news is this. Even if you don't score ten runs – I mean, this pitching staff's been lights out. I mean, they're, they're as good as advertised. And, uh, yeah, I think they'll do it again this weekend. So, uh, But it's been a lot of fun to see the sticks, and I think you got to give a lot of credit to Monty Lee and Mark Kingston. The approaches have obviously – there's been an adjustment made there, and it's it's paying off major dividends early. 1-4, Team ERA. 1.4. Yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, and limiting right, and limiting the walks and limiting the walks. That is the biggest. Yeah, the, walks. the, the lead off Tommy Moody. Tommy hates lead off walks. That's just one thing Terrible. I noticed about him. Lead off walks, two uh, out walks, a cardinal not a lot sin. Got a lot of. Uh, all right, Chris, we know you got to roll and, and get on. I'll, I'll see you at one fifteen, bud. Absolutely, JC, Phil, JB, always a pleasure, guys. Appreciate you. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah, man. I'll take. You. All right, we got to hit a break. Come right back uh, to wrap up hour number one of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. I'm JC. He's JB. He's Phil. That was Chris Phillips from the Spurs Up Show, and we'll be back after these messages. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Oh, easy. He's got a tiger by the tail, he has. He better hang on, too. People have spoken. Nana's Porch was voted the third best food truck or trailer by the Charlotte newspaper Public Poll. Also, their pimento cheese mm, took third in a contest exclusively for products made in the state of North Carolina. I will let Noah Hall tell you about the rest. Nana's Porch, Southern Cuisine, with an uptown twist. We're well into the new year and the days of being back in the pool and boat are quickly approaching. Many of us don't have the time to hit the gym, but Charleston Fitness Equipment can change that for you. Outfit your home with a treadmill, elliptical, or my favorite, a home rower that allows you to row with the pros all over the world. They have free weights, home gyms, flooring, and much more that makes keeping or getting in shape much more convenient. Located in Mount Pleasant, visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com for more. Get in shape like our Gamecocks. Charleston Fitness Equipment, proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks. Top Nation. Do you need a place to stay for the big game? Many hotel booking engines keep all the commissions, but at Fan Plans, you support inside the Gamecocks, still earn your hotel loyalty points, and you receive an email with direct confirmation from the hotel. Whether you are visiting Columbia to cheer on Carolina or hitting the road to follow the team, get in the stands with Fan Plans. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Uh, this is Coach O. Now back to the show. Go Tigers. In the soul. All right, 11.55 towards the end of Hour 1, Hour 2. Coming up, the Middle Edge with Sawyer Nix will be in that. If you want to have a makeover in your home, maybe you've got a Gamecock room or are wanting to have a Gamecock room, you need to hop on Facebook and check out a couple of painters. Like, don't find two painters. I mean, like the business, a couple of painters. They paint our show garnet and black daily they will paint your room garnet and black and right now they're doing a giveaway to do so on march 1st is when they're going to select a winner if you're in south carolina if you're in georgia you qualify for this because that's where they're licensed and insured the whole state not just parts the entire state so if you're on facebook make sure you pull up a couple of painters and you'll see the link at the top of the page message them with your name phone number and email and they will uh, let somebody know here in just a few days who the winner is. So really excited for that. Garnet, black, white, whatever color you want it to be. But someone's going to win a Gamecock Room makeover, and we really appreciate these guys painting our show Garnet and Black. Facebook, Facebook, Facebook. And then, of course, uh, their website is LetMePaintSomething.com. 
lemmepaint.com. L-E-M-M-E. Lemmepaintsomething.com. All right. Um, I know we only got a couple of minutes, JC. We got here in the uh, in the Nanosports chat box. He says, Saunders says, um, Vance Joseph got hired as D.C. for the Broncos. Can anyone think of a situation like that in college football? Fired as head coach, come back as a coordinator later on. Yeah, it happens at Alabama about every year. <laughs> <laughs> they recycle them down there pretty good in Tuscaloosa. Yeah, uh, yeah. Nick Saban, if you're a fired head coach, generally you're going to land on his uh, staff somewhere as an offensive coordinator or defensive coordinator. Um, yeah, well, he mentioned Wade Phillips, too. It, it, look, how many jobs did Norv Turner have? Now, yeah. Vance Joseph, uh, yeah, you know, so I uh, – uh, college football, it's harder to get back in. I mean, Will Muschamp and Ed Orgeron are like outliers. You know, and yeah. you know, a lot of schools, you know, it hadn't always worked out when you rehire somebody that, that's been fired someplace else. It didn't work out with Muschamp at Carolina. I sort of thought it would. The reasons were different. It worked out at, at, at LSU for Orgeron for one year, and then he was just like, oh, well, I think I'm going to go to the beach and enjoy this. Um, Ron Zook took Illinois to the Rose Bowl and then got fired after because he had mm-hmm. been fired. Jerry DiNardo took the Indiana job after getting fired at LSU. Um, so I, I just can't. Uh, it happens. I just can't think of, I can't think of somebody that who's that. Now look, Tom Herman hadn't gotten back in. I, I tend to believe Tom Herman at the right program can win large. Sure. Uh, but, but I, I, I well, I'm, I'm stupid. I'm stupid. I'm stu- guys. Just go ahead and say it. I'm stupid. Phil say, okay. say All right, it. JC, you're stupid. <laughs> Maybe do it. <laughs> because I completely forgot, I completely forgot. Like well, the uh, uh, you know who played for the national championship last year because Sonny Dykes got fired at Cal. Yeah. Okay. True. Now that was a fish out of water job he took. I mean, I, I can't, I can't imagine that dude fitting in at Berkeley at all. I mean, I have a better shot of fitting in out there than him. I uh, uh, at least I looked the part. So I'm a moron about that. But no, no, he said so he here is one. Guys he got idiots. fired and then came back and did a good job. But yeah, I mean, it, it is now in the pros, they'll, oh, they'll give his, a guy three or four shots. They'll give a guy three or four chances before they. Yeah, but they, his they, question they here: fired as head coach and come back as a coordinator later on, which is what oh, I was in the so pros. Obviously, Muschamp's done that. No, no, no. And and can you think of a situation like that in college football? That's what I was saying. It happened. Oh yeah, man, yeah. lots, lots. Yeah, Tons Bobby of, Petrino yeah. is an example. Mike of Bobo. That. Mike yep. Bobo. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of examples of, like that, Sonder. Uh, uh, Barry Odom, yeah, uh, who's now got his second life at UNLV, but obviously went from Missouri to Arkansas. Yeah, Sonder, there's a lot of examples in college football of guys that were head coaches that go back to being coordinators. Oh, the same oh, oh, I'm sorry, same with the same yeah. organization. Oh. Oh. Well, that speaks Wait, to Phillips. the fraternal nature of coaching well, in that's, the NFL. That's, I think. Yeah, that's yeah. not normal. I mean, you don't ever see that. This is probably the only time I've ever seen that. Have you ever seen this before on any level? I haven't. Same organization. Mm-hmm. You're the head. Well, you're head coach and come back as a basically getting demoted. Essentially, I've never Who, seen that. Has anybody has anybody ever it's come back? Because like, you got like the Dom Capers uh, experiment happening again in in Carolina, but he was never the head coach. It was you know he's coming back. Dom Dom was the head coach. He was. was he? He, oh, was he? He was, was the, the first head coach. Head coach. The, the first. Fan, the yeah, first that's right. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Now he's that was, back that was in DC. Born, so Phil. Thomas Brown, the offensive coordinator there now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I'm trying to think. Like, who else? You know, it's not. You know, I haven't. 
come back and be the coordinator after being the head coach. I'm trying to think of who else been fired at that same school. Or in the NFL. I haven't seen it in the NFL either. I haven't seen it. Yeah, that's weird. In baseball, I haven't seen it in basketball. We'll have to think about it. I know we got to hit a break. So why don't we hit a break? Well, we put our heads together and see what but we can. We don't want to put you. You're an idiot. We don't want your head involved in this. <laughs> Complete idiot. Remember, you're stupid. <laughs> well, I mean, I, well, I'm sitting there running my liquor about uh, or, or my, my chopper or whatever you want to call it. Your liquor. Sorry about that. Man, liquor. Sorry, sorry about right. that. Uh, anyway, uh, whoo, shoo, whoo, shoo, buddy. Um, running about like, oh, these guys don't, it, don't, it never works out, really works out. Sonner, you, you screwed us all up here, man. You yeah. got to you got to give all the information when you ask a question. Right? Yeah. <laughs> one, of, one of these guys, one of these guys, actually, you know, played for the national championship last year. So yeah, uh, that's why I'm gonna. All right, it's just a good time for a break. It's a good time. Yeah, for a break. we'll do that. Be right back with stupid JC. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. The home of Oventon, Velotric, Magnum Bikes, and more, they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Their electric bikes are equipped with five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle so you can ride longer, handle the heat better, but still get great exercise. Bikes are available for all ages and sizes. Visit electricbikescharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant if you're in the Lowcountry. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. The real estate market has changed dramatically from just a year ago. Rates, supply, demand, all of your traditional factors are in a transition phase. That's why if you or someone you know are considering making a move in the low country, contact me, JB, at Coast to Coast Realty. I work with an outstanding support cast of attorneys, lenders, inspectors, insurance agents, and more, all of whom are valuable in helping find a way for you to comfortably make your real estate decision. That's right. Call me. JB, your Lowcountry real estate broadcaster. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. You're tuned into Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Sideline is picked off. Brad Edwards will get a convoy. Touchdown, South Carolina. Chicken's got some racial spurs, spurs, spurs. You ain't just a bird, bird, bird. You're top of the coop, star of the show. You're a rooster who's born to crow. Well, I bet you want to win when you win a lost a step or two. Welcome back, everybody, to Inside the Gamecocks, the show brought to you by Express Sunrooms of Columbia. Give John Barber and his team a call or shoot him an email, 803-446-4662 or John B at expresssunrooms.com to set up an appointment to talk about how we can get some more sunshine into your life this summer. And I continue to think about that question that we went into during the break, and I'm just not, I don't know. I don't, I, there isn't anybody else that I I'm can't think of it, at least in my generation. Yeah, I, I can't think of anything either. It makes sense. Yeah, Vance played at Colorado, 
So he's probably got an affinity for living in Denver, uh, although he's a Louisiana native from Marrero, New Orleans area. Uh, so, you know, maybe he just likes the Rockies. Just go hang out with Prime, you know, because <laughs> Prime's in that town too. My God, have you heard him talking about like what he looks for and play? Could, well, he's in Boulder uh, now. Yeah, I know. Well, Boulder's a suburb of Denver. I mean, it's it's right there. It, it's 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 not what I would call extremely close, but it you I mean it, it's it's the general vicinity. So I, I don't know. But yeah, Prime's been just running, just dropping like. Truth. I don't even know if I want to call them truth bombs because they're kind of stereotypical. Uh, quite frankly, insulting things to certain people out there about, uh, oh, I want my quarterback to have two parents in the house and all this other stuff. And I'm like, uh, no matter what you feel about the positivity of two parents in the house, there are plenty of quarterbacks that have one parent. Dak Prescott comes to mind. Um, speaking to people from Louisiana, that, that you know he, he was fine. You know, so I'd uh, Prime's going to get in trouble. <laughs> you know. Continuing on that, but yeah, so yeah, I, I'm like, I, I don't know, you know, I, 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 I'm not one that gets outraged or insulted by, you know, people speaking their truth or anything like that, but or can't, I, mean, I certainly wouldn't want to cancel them over it, but uh, I think you're very, you're limiting yourself because you can recruit, you could be, hey, I'm Deion Sanders and I'm going to recruit this kid all you want, but what if a kid you really want's life situation is exactly how you described what you don't want, you know, <laughs> and, and you end up missing that player, you know, what if a kid in Denver, who's grown up wanting to dreaming and playing for the, the Colorado Buffaloes and watched you play at Florida state and in the pros or, or knows who you are and has always admired you. Uh, what, if, what if he's comes from a single parent home and he's, he's one of the best quarterbacks in the country. And then you, you lose him to uh, Oregon or somebody and they come in and beat you like 63 to seven. Uh, your lesson, lesson will be learned. Lesson will be learned. Speaking of uh, lessons learned, another Georgia bulldog has been arrested. Uh, all SEC linebacker Jamon Dumas Johnson is in the tank uh, because really Drag race. About, about six weeks ago. Yeah, it was the day after the national. Boy, they won the national championship. You had that terrible car wreck uh, yeah. that uh, that you know one of their offensive linemen uh, died in, and and one of the t- equipment managers she passed away, and then you had another equipment manager and another offensive lineman who's Brian McClendon's nephew survive it and then the day after that this kid uh was street racing in athens and he got popped for it but he just got arrested yesterday it looks like they just id'd him so so he's in the slammer for a little while it's the off season in athens so we probably expect a little bit more of this over the next couple of months or whatever but um yeah it's i i for i'm gonna ask and i'm asking this question honestly i'm i'm not i know that's a running joke because there are a lot of bulldogs that get arrested every year but I'm asking this question honestly. Are, are Athens, uh, what is it, um, Athens-Clark County, right? Are Athens-Clark County police officers just like sticklers of everything? Because I've, I've spent yeah. some time there, and I've seen yeah. some dudes get popped, and I'm like, for what did he do? He didn't even do anything. Like, are they just that bad, or what is it? Or- I, if it were Columbia, I mean, people would be going, ape if it were Columbia or something. It's been that way. I don't, I don't understand it. Because you look around, and uh, certainly other schools have arrests and, and things like that. But like every year, and I, and I don't think it's like Georgia recruiting low character kids. I think you know you look at kind of. I mean, I've covered I covered a lot of these guys in recruiting. They're, they're good yeah. kids. I mean, it, it, just, uh, it seems like every little ticky tack thing that you can take a football player to jail for in Athens. They take them. 
they they do. Uh, yeah, you know, Blind Squirrel Sports is our resident dog fan. Yeah, here. I was going to say. Uh, yeah, in the chat he has, cons- <laughs> he has a conspiracy theory about, uh, and you'd, you'd have to explain this to me, uh, how Tom Crean played a role in Todd Monken being hired by the Ravens. Is it because Crean has some kind of connection to the Harbaugh family? Is that it? I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out. Crean, of course, is the failed former Georgia basketball coach. So it was uh, a successful one at Marquette. No way. And, and it didn't do terrible at Indiana, but everybody, everybody, he, uh, yeah, okay, he's related to Harbaugh. So yeah, uh, Jim Harbaugh. He's, yeah, so John Harbaugh is his brother-in-law. So yeah, that that probably. That makes sense. Yeah, I, I kind of thought that was it, Blind Squirrel. So, yeah, hey, I don't think it's a conspiracy theory because you always pick up the phone. You know, if you're looking for another gig, you know, uh, John Arbaugh probably calls up. He's like, hey, what's uh, you know, who do we know at Georgia? Yeah, it's, well, let's call Tom Crean. He doesn't, he, Tom's not doing anything. He's having a cocktail out by the pool. Hey, go, doesn't Todd Mocken live in your neighborhood? Yeah, bro. Uh, well, hey, why don't you go see if he wants to come coach here? <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, hey, I got a tanning bed appointment here in about ten minutes in my house because you know Ta- Tom Crean's got a tanning bed in his house. There's oh, no yeah, way he's got to have one. Yeah, he and Nick Saban both. I, I think people are just scared to say it about Nick Saban. But, mm-hmm. but Todd, Todd, Todd Monken. I mean, I'm sorry, Tom Crean definitely has a tanning bed in his house. And he's like, all right. Well, after I tan, I'll I'll go see Todd. Maybe he wants to come over and tan with me, and we can have a couple of pina coladas. And sit out here and, and, and listen to uh, John Cicada on full blast and, and hammer something out. We'll get you on speed on Zoom, John. That's right. Now you know Saban's got a lady that comes in for spray tan, brings the booth and everything. Doesn't you know he and Miss Terry both get the uh, right. get the works. All, all right. right, all right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get I'm gonna get butt naked. All right, all right, all right. This really pisses me off. Right. You ever seen the Friends episode where Ross went to get this spray tan? <laughs> Two, three? The, the, yet another reason I hate Ross. <laughs> right. My, my fiance stunned that I'm not like this big Friends guy because like when I was a kid and I was like very much skinnier, you could probably see it if you look close, you know. So, some, some, some people thought I looked a little like Matthew Perry, okay? Not anymore. Well... Matthew Perry's seen better days just like you're, you're, you're truly here. So anyway, maybe so. But so, so, everybody's like shot because you have Jennifer Aniston, whatever. And I like – Ross just drove me up a tree. <laughs> and the fact that they ended it with him doing this, you know, I'm going to go to the airport and see my Rachel. Oh, my God. Because he screwed the whole thing up to begin with. You know, she should have been with Joey. That's it. I, I stopped at that point. I told my ex-wife at the time because it was the late 90s, 2000s, when the show was wrapping. I was like – you know, you mean to tell me Rachel's not still with Joey? No, they broke up a couple episodes ago, and it's just I'm like, oh god, she's gonna end up with Ross, and she was. So that makes me hate him even worse. He's a whiny little. <laughs> even in the in the reunion, you know, Matthew Perry's sitting there on all kinds of whatever, you know, just fresh out yeah. of rehab or whatever. <laughs> he, he looks like crap. Joey's totally gray. You know, Jennifer Aniston somehow never ages. I don't know. No, no. I don't know how that is. No. Um, you know, it, it, but then it, here comes Ross, the same David Schwimmer, just whining, 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 just whined his way through. So doesn't surprise me he gets the spray tan. Like Tom Kareem <laughs> like and Nick Tom Saban. And All Nick right. Sa- <laughs> <laughs> I- 
Our nation is now boundlessly (laughs) vanitized. (laughs) There's so many guys that constantly break it off with Jennifer Anderson. They make any sense to me. She's probably a terrible person. (laughs) Maybe that's what it is. There's got to be. It's like you get to a point, the fun's over. You know, it's like you've you read the read the Ferris wheel so many times. It's thrilling to begin with. It gets boring. So you, you need some comfort in that Ferris wheel seat or you're going to get off of it. Right. It hurts your buttocks. Yeah, I Maybe she's got like a friend it may be fun. Or you know, something like that. You, you know, that you just I'll can't sit stand. in a hard, I'll sit in a hard Ferris wheel seat, the old school Ferris wheels, the, the wind's blowing. You feel like you're going to fall or whatever. I'll sit there for a while, but eventually I'm going to need one of those enclosed things like they got in Pigeon Forge. You know, the, 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 the you know, where you're in the little you know, gondola thing or whatever. The gondola, so, so, some comfort, you know, I'm gonna need some comfort there. So she's probably like riding a, an old school Myrtle Beach Pavilion style Ferris wheel back in the day. Not the big one they got in Myrtle Beach now, the, the other ones, the, the, the smaller ones where the wind's oh. blowing and you, that, that, that SOB like sits there and creaks and you're like, I'm gonna fall. I'm gonna fall. I hate the Ferris wheel, by the way. I hate it. Don't like yeah. it. Yeah. I don't so Jennifer like Aniston is a carnival ride. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what I just got out of that too. That's, the that's tilt the scrambler, scrambler, baby. Yeah. Between that and the story of how uh, Tom Munkin got to Baltimore, I've got all kinds of knowledge to share with the world after we get off the air today. <laughs> Blame so Blind Squirrel for that one. He's the one that brought segment. it to my attention. Where is Blind Squirrel? Because we we were asking about Athens, and he and he's gone silent on us. He'll. He's just he, he switched over to inside the dogs the show. Oh, right. Trying to trying to get figured out. <laughs> trying to That's figure right. this yeah, out. The moment yeah. that we mentioned uh, one of the dogs getting arrested is when he disappeared from the chat box. <laughs> Chris in the chat box goes, "I would like one ticket for that carnival ride, please." I was going to say, I mean, yeah. <laughs> if it's an old school carnival, man, it's probably going to cost you like eight. You know, yeah, the ride all day. Yeah, or <laughs> yeah. you, you got to have to get the ride all day. That's right. Oh. Forty nine ninety five. Get the and all day, and all day. This entire sheet of tickets. <laughs> Give me a sheet of tickets. You know the, the balloon pop dart thing. I did have anyway. a. Uh, I had somebody who um, popped into my inbox a couple of days ago. Not to totally, you know, not to take this story, this conversation away from you. No, it's fun it's as we're having here, but um, I had somebody, and I and I figured I'd pass this one along. To you, JC, because I actually I haven't checked, I haven't asked, and I haven't heard. I got a feeling, of course, here in about a month we'll be hearing much more. But somebody did reach out to me the other day and said, "Hey, look, we know about uh, Spencer Rattler. We know about Luke Doty. The uh, everybody is constantly talking about the Bailey kid. Lenora Sellers is is a hot name." He said, "I feel like I haven't named, heard the name Colton Gothier in over a year. What have you heard about him?" I I haven't heard anything, but I actually also have not asked. Anything they're going to carry a boatload of talented quarterbacks into spring practice. It it just seems, and I'm not saying this is going to be Colton in any way, shape, or form. It just seems like when you carry a lot of quarterbacks, generally one or two are going to end up deflecting at some point in time. Guys, what yeah. are your thoughts on Colton Gauthier, and what are your thoughts on the number of talented quarterbacks left in spring practice? Well, like skill set wise, when he came out of high school, it reminded me of like just just skill set wise. The key before everybody goes, Drake, what a terrible comparison. No, wait. <laughs> Out of high school, Charlie Whitehurst had one offer or two, maybe Clemson and North Carolina. Ended up going to Clemson. 
Um, but he was that taller, skinnier kind of guy like uh, like Colton. And his arm, their arm talent reminds me of each other. But Charlie also, playing quarterback, as we all know, you can throw it all you want, be tall all you want, and be a good athlete all you want. But if you can't read a defense, you don't know where to throw it, and you crack under pressure. You know, look, my point is, I'm not saying Colton does that. I'm saying there's more to it than just like, skill set wise. That's what I thought it was like under under the radar guy out of Georgia. I was like, he's got a chance. It's just a chance. Now, last year, probably if they'd had to go to a third quarterback, they would have gone with the carry on Joiner. If yep. it had gotten beyond him, Colton's probably playing before Tanner Bailey or Braden Davis. Yep. But Bailey's been there a couple of years now. And based on what I heard about Lenora Sellers, that, that dude may be on a faster track than, than we could have ever imagined. So uh, I would say, you know, it's, it's a big spring for Colton. Um, but at the same time, you know, some guys just the quarterback stick and Michael Skarnecchia, nobody ever thought he would play. Uh, and then he stuck with it and uh, went out, took advantage of his one shining moment. And, and was his, by the time his senior year got there, he was pretty good. Dylan Thompson waited for a while too. And finally oh, got really? there. And, and Dylan was sort of a little like Colton, like t- the taller guy with a good arm. So you never know, but like, would I project that right now? No, not based on what I know, but, you know, we've got a couple of weeks and, uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, and, you know, there's a new quarterbacks coach in town, double Loggins. Hey, <laughs> uh, you know, and uh, we'll see what he thinks about him. But I, you know, there, there's just a lot. And you're, you hit the nail on the head, Jamie. There's so many quarterbacks on, on the roster right now that have a chance, a real good chance. And, you know, uh, it, it's going to be interesting to see how they sort it out. I don't. I don't think South Carolina is going to be able to escape losing one or two along the way because yeah. no no schools have avoided that. Uh, honestly, wait till after spring ball. I think Georgia may lose one. Vandergriff or dare I say Gunnar Stott? Although Gunnar yeah. Stott's guys, uh, his his yeah, OC quarterback. I think Vandergriff. Maybe Vandergriff goes someplace. Yeah. So, uh, but you know, no, and, and you know. Ohio State, Alabama, whoever, they lose guys too. So it's uh, – uh, I think Carolina right now, it's a blessing for this coming spring because even though you got you got Spencer coming back, Spencer's got a new OC, I, I don't think it's going to be a completely new offensive uh, system. I think it's going to be called differently and set up differently. Uh, but he, he's your, comfortably your starter. So, so then you got Luke right behind him. You know, what's great is that the rest of those dudes can just compete. You know, and you can give them, you know, like Shane says, you can give them a lot of reps because they run like three or four at a time on, on different fields and stuff. Rep, 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 rep. Uh, and so I think that's going to be overwhelmingly positive for the quote unquote other quarterbacks on the roster this year. Sawyer Nix is due in here in just a couple of moments before we hit a timeout. Let me remind you about Signorama, the preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics. If you head to Founders Park this weekend, you'll see national championship banners amongst many of the things out there that Signorama has put uh, out at uh, Founders. And then you can also go to Williams-Brice Stadium and Colonial Life Arena and pretty much everywhere else on campus and all around the city of Columbia and find their work. They are the experts of experts. Signorama in Columbia. Gamecock owned and operated. Production, install, service, design, you name it. They are full service at Signorama. Signorama.com, but you can call their location directly if you need a vehicle wrapped. If you need any type of signage, 
four. Bring your brand to life with Sinorama Columbia, and we certainly appreciate them and what they do for us as we get to sit every day in the Sinorama studios. As we mentioned, Sawyer Nicks, do up next, right here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show brought to you by Express Sunrooms. Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope's State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass, Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864-414-5271, Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Are you looking to buy a new home? Kevin O'Connell with Union Home Mortgage is a local mortgage expert and Gamecocks fan servicing North and South Carolina. Whether you're buying a home, building your dream home with new construction, or turning your equity into cash, UHM's world-class service will ensure you find the perfect mortgage to achieve your home ownership goals. Call Kevin at 803-906-0244 or visit UHM.com today. Union Home Mortgage is an equal housing lender. NMLS 2229 LONMLS 1772182. Hey man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. You know what, Phil? Let's ask Stone Blanton. Hey, JC and Phil, if you want a solution to your IT problems, give Heritage Digital a call. Our boy Matt Odom has a low-cost, one-price solution that will get you running right. Call 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com and ask for Matt. He will hook you up today and tell them Stone City. This is Freshman All-American, Nicky Warrior of the Carolina Gamecocks, and you are listening to The Show with JC and Phil. Welcome back, everybody, to Inside the Gamecocks, the show presented to you by Express Sunrooms of Columbia. Give John and his team a call, 803-446-4662. Talk about a potential porch or patio enclosure. That way you can enjoy the outside without the interference of bugs this summer. And we're joined now on the McKellar Enterprises guest line by none other than the extremely patient and we appreciate you being patient with us, Sawyer, Nicks, <laughs> for the mental edge. <laughs> but when you get coaches on, they have a very finite <laughs> yeah. window, yeah. and it's very specific, and we got to bring them in. But we're glad to have you this week. Happy to have you in. Glad to be back in. Certainly, I, I know my spot on the totem pole. It's not, <laughs> not at the ceiling level. 
<laughs> well, you know. well, I hope I hope well, my texts don't sound that bad. Well, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm about to say, I was like, knowing my second. role is knowing my role. I was like, wait, wait, what did you say to him, Phil? <laughs> like, oh, no, we're right. just, we're doing damage control here. We're you know what? I deserve that. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. Well, it's uh. I tell you what, I, I think, was it yesterday, Sawyer, that you texted us about topics and I responded yep. about baseball, but yeah, yes. I want to, I want to, I want to cut in front of that real quick because, um, you know, the Gamecocks last night, uh, almost pulled off a stunner and they didn't, it was a heartbreaker instead. Now they have to turn around and travel to a place where they don't have much success in this, right. in their history against a team that they don't match up well, that already beat them by 40 points this year. And, you, you know, the, the the only conversation, I think, I mean, they they can play with teams. They just showed that. They went to Rupp and beat Kentucky. I think the only conversation that should be had leading into this ball game on Saturday for South Carolina is where are they upstairs? Where do you think they are? Yeah, I I think it was a great game. I actually checked the score. I was like getting ready to wrap up my evening. All right, let me, you know, tie up loose ends and I'll be heading towards bed too long. Let me check the score. Wait, did I read that right? You know, the Gamecocks are, are ahead. It's about eight minutes, ten minutes before the half. I was like, okay, all right. Well, I ended up, you know, watching the rest on, on my phone um, to the bitter end. I think it was it was great to see. And even the, the – um, I don't know if it was Morgan or who exactly mentioned, I can't remember which announcer talked about Gigi and his body language and how that's been a theme. And, and I think that yeah. that was a big part, you know, is body language often reveals what we're thinking and what we're feeling. And, and I think we saw, obviously there's home team advantage to that, but we saw a different body language from the team last night. We saw a different body language from Gigi that we have seen that we haven't seen in the last few weeks. So I think that's a big, uh, a big boost to the team is, is when you have, you know, one of your leaders, um, whether it's points or how are you view GG, but he's a, he's a leader of the team. You know, he's young, he's not matured as, as JC has said, but he, he is an important part to the success of, of this team. Now he doesn't make a break. Certainly they, they won a game without him, but for the most part, he, he is, he is a straw that stirs the drink for the team this year for the most part. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how they do go up there. Do they have the same body language and, and fortitude knowing, Hey, we just had a fight and we were in it. Uh, and can they take that same approach and attitude and also look at the game plan? All right. What were the things we did successful? How can we repeat those? All right. What do we need to be cautious about? You know, and I think that's part of the game plan again, but, you know, emotions are important. They provide fuel, but you can't let those overtake, you know, where the game plan is or the steps to, to stay in a fight and, and to win a game, to have success, to overcome challenges. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that it, it's a fragile it, – it, it seems like a fragile group because, you know, it's – when sorry, regardless of how good a freshman is, when a freshman is the leader of your team, that's generally not good news. I, in any I agree. Um, and um, – 
and but he's not the only freshman on the team. They have other freshmen that are there, and then they've got a bunch of transfers that have really never truly been in the thick of it like they are right now in the in the Southeastern Conference. And then they got a bunch of guys that really weren't relied on at all to be significant contributors in years past. And and but they have right the last couple of weeks. You know, you're kind of like, well, you know, hey, they're alive, they're kicking, they. <laughs> You know, and and you, we, I think Jace, one of us mentioned this earlier. Might have been Phil or JC, in the fact that there is a new season coming soon. It's a very quick one. It's called the SEC tournament. You know, and every team knows that teams that don't play well throughout the year that know that they have zero chance of playing in the postseason. That is their only chance. Um, and so you kind of build towards being at the top of your game during those five or six days that you're spending there playing in that, in that basketball tournament. So, you know, I just wonder, like, what type of job Coach Paris has over the next couple of days to keep his team focused and saying, hey, look, forget the record, forget the loss, and all those type of things. We're working towards the SEC tournament. So we got to worry about today, today, this this minute for this minute, this half for this half. Like, that's a challenge for a coach so with a bunch of guys that have never really been through this before. No, I, I totally agree. That is a, that is a challenge, and it's a constant refocusing. Um, I mean, it's. I think that's part of the coach's job. Is as games come and go, as as tensions rise and fall, as as losses as close as they were. I mean, there were opportunities uh, for that game, and then was it the Georgia game? There was a missed layup, I believe. At you know, at the end of regulation. Um, uh, it blown, yeah, it would have. Yeah, it was a Zach Davis. He just uh, lost. Yeah, him. yeah. So, yeah, so I mean yeah. that that just makes it even more difficult when you're like, you know, sometimes there is a to lose in overtime. Sometimes emotionally is a bigger letdown than to lose by five. You know, in, in the last minute. Um, so it, it does weigh heavily on the team, but that's that's part of the coach's job is to refocus them and for the players to help refocus each other and, and use some of that encouragement and uh, it's it's all a process it's it's continual all right to baseball so this is this is a, a, i understand baseball because i played it um unlike i mean i don't have the power numbers as 11 year old jc uh it took me till i was 17 <laughs> to get there to, to start leaving the yard four yeah. or five times a season but um but there, there's nothing in the world that's like it, and here's why. Because if you're only successful 30% of the time when you shoot it in basketball, you ain't going to be playing. If you only complete 30% of your passes, you're not playing. If you only catch 30% of the balls that are thrown to you, you're not playing. In every every other sport out there, 30%, you don't play. But right. in baseball, if, you, if, you, if you're successful at the plate 30% of the time, you're probably in whatever Hall of Fame you're in, depending on what league you played in. 300 yeah. hitters are very, very rare. Um, but it's different in teaching somebody how to learn to deal with failure. Like, we were just talking about the basketball team. Like, we don't want them to learn how to deal with failure. Like, you need to learn how to win. So this is a totally different animal here. Like, in baseball, you can win all while you actually individually are out there losing over and over and over again. Like, if you had baseball coaches who were learning, young baseball coaches, like a Scott Wingo, for instance, who's played the game but now having to regurgitate the game back to a bunch of young guys, what what advice would you give them when it comes to handling kids who, as as the level gets better, right, high yep. school baseball, college baseball, pro baseball, 
the competition gets harder, you're going to fail more, and it's going to tax you, and it's going to test you. Like, how would you coach them through that? Well, I'd say first, let's define failure. I mean, failure to, as you mentioned, failure in other sports would be, you know, if you're not shooting, you're only shooting 30% in basketball, that, that's bad. If you're only hitting 30% of the fairways um, or 30% of the greens, uh, which that's- – some days that would be pretty good for me, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, me too. Um, so <laughs> just depending on how that goes. So part of it is defining, you know, if if guys are looking at hitting 500 or 600, that's not that's not necessarily realistic. So part of it is, all right, what what is what is a good goal? I mean, there's poor Mendoza, right? And, you know, Mendoza line. Um, that's got to be the worst feeling in sports to have something named after you. Um, such as the Mendoza line. That you know, good. <laughs> that's not good. Batting 200. Um, but I went back and actually looked. You can go to D1 Baseball and you can look up stats. Um, most years, season batting averages, there's only about three or four guys that batted 300 or better for the Gamecocks the last you know, several years. And so I think when you talk about, all right, maybe numbers shouldn't be a target, if we use numbers, let's let's look at if everybody on the team can bat 290, they're below, you know, 300. But if everybody could do that, that's that's pretty good as an entire team. Um, but what's the recipe to get there? You know, guys could hit a home run and then strike out three times. Well, that's 250 batting average. But you know, were they? How were the strikeouts? What was their process? And I think. That's something I gained from listening to Mike Lee on the show was very much he's gearing guys' focus towards what is their process, how they approach the plate, how they respond, what is their goal. You know, and I think part of the goal is, you know, small ball, getting back to that, which to some people is boring. When I work with athletes, sometimes I'll talk about let's do some of the smaller things that maybe isn't exciting. But it's what's going to produce the best results, which is which is part of the game. You know, producing the best results, however you get there, is is most important. So I think it starts with defining your goal and then developing a process or a recipe or steps along the way to be successful in the process, not in the end result. Otherwise, you'll be chasing. You'll be changing your swing every other day if there's no belief in that. Uh, and the guys have an approach, and I think that's great coaching by um, Coach Lee. And I look forward to how the rest of the season unfolds, knowing that they're not going to be this hot, knowing that they're going to go into slumps. You know, do they go away from what they know is best? Because sometimes that's what happens. You know, I know when I'm have a rough day, there's a few more cookies and chips missing, right? Um, you know, there's I may not do some of the things I need to do to to take care of myself or be successful. Um, but the danger is I don't want to steer away from that because I need to stick to the things that I do to be successful as, uh, in my role as a middle performance coach or a counselor or dad or, um, spouse. And so I think all of us, it's, you know, where the steps to get us to success and being able to define our success, um, without letting others define that. So are you more of a chip guy or a cookie guy when you've had a long, a long day? Because I'm more of a chip guy. I mean, sweets are kind of my thing. Chocolate, okay. you know, um, sweets and chocolate are my thing. But I, I try and steer clear from them as much during the week, but I'm not always successful with that. So. 
Yeah, I'm like I'm a sweets guy. You know what? This I, I, I'm gonna out myself here, guys. Like, <laughs> put the kids to bed, eight o'clock. Glass of milk, sneak a couple of cookies. That's when it's time to do a line of Oreos. <laughs> <laughs> That's Oreo uh, time. <laughs> yeah. Wrapping up with Sawyer Dicks, the mental edge. Usually on Tuesdays, but we've had Monty Lee and uh, Taylor Edwards back to back. Phil started and, drinking early this morning. Yeah, it feels like, hey, he's got a... Yeah. Uh, by the way, blind squirrel. I, I, we were. We figured we weren't it being, out. Yeah. We weren't yeah. being jerks. So yeah. In oh, fact, no, no, I, we weren't. I've got some things to say about the Athens PD when we get back, and it's it's really a pro UGA slant. But uh, but anyway, yeah. so Sawyer, you know, I, 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 we talked with Stuart Lake yesterday, and we're talking about baseball and and the numbers and and how. We can all sit here and say, you know, don't look at the numbers, but the kids these days do. You know, I think I think Nick Saban does probably the best job in athletics of getting guys to focus on just the task at hand and not getting caught up in this, that, or the other. But you know, as our world becomes more connected and there's more access to this type of stuff, uh, kids are going to look at it, you know, because they're all over social media right. and all over the internet anyway. Um, so Stewart mentioned uh, we had a guy that was in a in a slump and Ray Tanner calls him up and they were talking they're like, well, just, uh, just start over on the batting average. Right. You know, just make it, make it where he's hitting 600 instead of two, uh, which of course is not true on the, on the but, but up on the scoreboard, you know? And so these guys are obviously right. Running up some stats and things will continue probably not at this pace, but I expect Carolina to be pretty doggone good statistically heading into sec play. Um, so from a mental standpoint, how how important do you think that is, especially these days, knowing that no matter what you do, kids are going to focus on the numbers, to have those big numbers, you know, going in and to have, you know, a 20-2 and two record or whatever uh, going into uh, what will be certainly a, a different level of challenge. Where's the 1% principle? You know, I, I think football is taken to that, that 1% growth principle. And what's the one thing that you're going to focus on? Um, I had a session earlier today and, you know, the person would, they would get overwhelmed and shut down if they were, they thought about too many changes. So I'm like, let's focus on one thing. What's one thing? What's the one thing you had to do? And I think if, if the players can get to that, uh, to, to refocus away from the others, and Barb is acknowledging, yeah, that's, that's there. We can't run away from it, but we know what gets us there is the most important. That's more important than, than how we get there. Um, I think in golf, I could say, oh, I got a birdie today or hit a great shot. But it's like, how did you get there? Well, it's luck. Okay, well, that's not going to help me on the other holes or any other time I play golf. You know, that one moment was great. But the fact is, I'm a pretty pathetic golfer. Um, and the, <laughs> the method to, to playing golf is not good. I need to get it fixed. But same thing with guys. They could have a great day where they hit the ball out of the park and have a thousand batting average. Well, does that help them or hurt them the next game? Uh, and the opposite's true. If they have a bad game, you know, again, do they go scrambling and, and grasping at straws, or is that just all right? What do I need to refocus on? What was the one thing I got away from that Coach Lee has helped me with, or did I focus too much on this one pitch, or did I try and change my swing? Or was I not patient enough? 
or was I too patient? You know, all those things are, are steps to, to review. I think after every game, athletes review games. I'll have them keep a journal. All right, what's one thing that went well that you've been practicing on? What is one thing you need to work on? And I try and define it in those terms, not what are all the things you did bad? You know, what's one thing you have been practicing on that you had success with that you need to keep doing? What's one thing that you need to practice on, that you need to focus on, that you need to work on? And that leads them into their next practice, to their next rehearsal. Um, they need to focus on those jobs. And I, I think that's that's the key. You know, the numbers are there. They're going to be there. But how do we refocus on what made me successful or unsuccessful? And if I do the things that make me successful, in the end, the numbers work out. Uh, you know, your, your score, your batting average at the end of the season is more important than one game now or one game in a month. It, it's the whole big picture. And the only way you have success with the big picture is, is taking those steps along the way. I just I, I found it All fascinating. Right. I found it fascinating that Coach Lake had the, had the nerve to tell us that because now every ballpark that I go to, I'm looking up there and be like, this kid ain't hitting 429. He's probably hitting a buck 50 on the season. They're just trying to make this boy feel better. That's right. Going to see where they're Way implementing go, the strategy everywhere we go. Right. Yeah. Right. Stu blew every SID's cover in America uh, yesterday on our, on our show. We've, we, he outed them all. Uh, I'll actually see Kent Reichert tomorrow. I'm going to ask him if he ever does that and just see what his response is. So good stuff man thank you sawyer appreciate as phil mentioned we appreciate you being patient with us um some of these coaches when they say the time that's the time so that's it we appreciate that thanks so much sawyer well hope you all have a great rest of the week and we'll see you on tuesday Tuesday. you got it yes sir sawyer dicks the mental edge every week week right here on the uh inside the game guys the show and the show will return after these messages we'll be back I want you to take me to Disney World. Calm down, calm down. JC is here. As y'all know, folks, the family and I have visited Disney World many times, but it can be overwhelming, especially if it's your first time going to the most magical place on earth. I highly recommend wherethisroadleads.com and my friend Cherie a certified Disney vacation planner. That's right. The mouse has given her permission to book your family vacation hassle-free. You don't know where to go, don't know where to stay, don't know where to eat, don't know what to do. It can be overwhelming. So get on wherethisroadleads.com and schedule your free consultation right now. She can help you out. The prices are very reasonable. You don't pay any extra fees. Uh, In fact, She's much more reasonable, maybe, than booking it straight through Disney. So for your next Disney vacation, or, you know, more likely your first, so you don't panic, go to wherethisroadleads.com and talk to Cherie, certified Disney vacation planner, a partner of Inside the Game Cox the Show. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. The home of Aventon, Velotric, Magnum Bikes, and more. They sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Their electric bikes are equipped with five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle so you can ride longer, handle the heat better, but still get great exercise. 
Bikes are available for all ages and sizes. Visit electricbikescharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant if you're in the Lowcountry. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey, Mo Cobble here from Carolina Gamecocks. You're listening to Inside the Gamecocks, the show with JC and Phil. Welcome back to Inside the Gamecocks, the show, everybody, presented to you by Express Sunrooms in Columbia. One last time for the day, 803-446-4662 is how to get in touch with John Barber to talk about adding some sunshine in your life this summer. Good to have Sawyer back. Always, always good to be reminded to be awesome today. That's, that's a good point. <laughs> be yeah. awesome today. Yeah, man. We need to get Why out not? a t-shirt. Be awesome today. Hey, JC, how about, uh, do you know, do you know Buck Sanders? I do. He's our North Carolina publisher. He's he's done this a lot longer than I have. Um, Inside Carolina is the name of their website. It's the largest site on our network. Is it really? Um, so well, they a- they started a long time ago with a magazine, and so when they when they went to the web, it would have been like had spurs and feathers like become a website like mine, uh, and because uh, you know, so they had all those people in circulation. So they, you know, he, he's he's a master at selling subscriptions, and and then really get a guy I admire, you know, as far in my in my business. So, but yeah, I know what he wrote today. So yeah, the reinventing the ACC discussion. Thoughts on that. Should the ACC dissolve? It only takes eight to say we're out. I, you know, I think they're going to have a hard time coming up with eight that say yes, because, you know, who, who's going to jump on that with Clemson and, and you know, North Carolina, Clemson, uh, Virginia Tech, probably Florida State. You know, Miami wants an invite. So, sure, maybe the, so that's what, five? Uh, you think Georgia Tech wants to explore SEC membership? I don't know. Maybe they're I mean, a Big all, Ten school. Are you, are you saying all of those schools, if they – this is a – for everybody to understand, this is not a conversation that is being had, at least we're aware of. This is a column that was written on Inside Carolina. Yeah. 24. yeah. But if the ACC – you've got two You got two things going on here, right? Let, let me back up real quick, JC, and I'll, turn, I'll throw it back to you and let you finish what you're saying. Sure. You've got two things going on here. You got a you got a TV contract that runs through twenty thirty six, okay? They're looking around the rest of the country, going, "Holy moly, we the the SEC is about to sign a billion dollar TV deal, and we're stuck in this thing until twenty thirty six. It's twenty twenty three. This can't happen." All right, so there, so you got that, and then you got the other side of it that is okay. The only way to get out of this because you got a grant of rights involved is to dissolve the league, which is one of the most historical college athletics leagues in the country for everybody always thinks football first. Well, they don't basketball first generally. Okay. And and then there's a lot of other great stuff that has happened in the ACC over the years and so on and so forth. So here's the point. You stick it out, you fall behind or you dissolve the league and it takes eight members to, to be able to do, to be able to, to do that. But what you're saying the, te- the schools you just mentioned, which I agree with you, they're the sexiest picks of the bunch, would all be interested in joining the Southeastern Conference. You, you, do you not think that they would entertain something else, the Big 12, or, jo- or creating another inter- league? Entertain the Big 10. Um, I think if you're the Big 12 as well, you know, 
you have UCF coming in the conference. If you could somehow get Florida State, Miami, Georgia Tech, maybe Clemson in the Big 12, uh, all of a sudden that league takes on a whole new it, – it's also a national-type conference. It goes from Provo, Utah to Coral Gables, Florida. Um, I, I think the Big Ten, because of how I believe the Big Ten fancies itself and how I believe the ACC fancies itself, uh, as these, you know, pseudo academic focused places that really don't put a lot of emphasis on it, but they pretend like they do because they don't like the SEC. Uh, I, I think like the Big Ten would, would probably covet North Carolina and Virginia, covet those schools. Uh, I don't see Pitt as good of a school as it is getting into the Big Ten. Uh, I, I, I don't see them you know, looking at, you know, Clemson or, and I, I'm over a while Clemson would make sense for them if, if they wanted to expand into the South. I think what they would like to do though is, is you know, as far as uh, programs that fit their, what, who they think they are. I mean, North Carolina and Virginia act just like a big, big 10 schools. I mean, arrogance and all that. But I also think that Southeastern conference would love to have Virginia and North Carolina as well. For other reasons, uh, number one, it gives you two massively big southern states, and you probably once you get North Carolina, Virginia, and the SEC, you have the whole South. I mean, there's no question. Uh, it's it's uh, those are kind of two holes there, uh, you know. And, and, and so I think the, the SEC would be highly interested in those two schools as well. Uh, and so, you know, North Carolina is going to find a place to play. You know, the, the Southeastern Conference would take North Carolina tomorrow. Uh, and I know people don't want to hear about that because uh, they're like, well, they suck in football, blah, blah, blah. They're a national sports brand. They're synonymous with uh, Michael Jordan, you know. I mean, and, and yes, it's their basketball program that's pushed it, but they're also pretty damn good at other sports too, and it's a gigantically large state. Now, I, I haven't run the population numbers. The state of North Carolina has as many people in it as the state of Georgia. You know, I mean, you're talking about, you know, the Charlotte TV market, Raleigh-Durham, you know, uh, Greensboro. I mean, you're talking about all kinds of, of major markets Then you get into Virginia. And it's also a very big state. Um, and so there's eyeballs and stuff like that. I also think because the SEC does not have, you know, now Texas A&M and Missouri have a good academic reputation. They're AAU schools or whatever. The, the SEC kind of takes a hit on that. It's not fair. I don't think it matters, but you start bringing you bring in UVA and North Carolina to that fold, and all of a sudden, man, you're, you're pretty damn good academically too. Not to mention basketball, not to mention you know uh, the other sports that those schools are competitive with, and then the TV market. So those are the two programs I look at and go, yeah, you know. Now Clemson, Florida State, uh, obviously would be fits in the SEC. Uh, or the Big Ten or the Big 12 or wherever they wanted to go. I, I think Clemson being a land-grant institution, uh, besides their geographic location and, and fan base, uh, and they do have a large fan base, though, for a, a place that's located where they are. As an institution, they have a lot in common with the Big Ten. You know, there's not that much difference uh, when you look at the campuses other than the temperature and the weather between, you know, the land-grant schools in the uh, – in the, in the Big Ten, like in Iowa or Illinois, someplace like that. So now I, I don't see those guys 
enjoying the flight to Minneapolis for a November game with Minnesota. Do you, you see clubs of people going up there? Uh, they like, oh my God. Oh, give me the orange, that orange, big orange coat, orange, orange coat. They go by that. They'd be like going through highway construction zone and hijacking their clothes. Get that coat, man. <laughs> My dream is on that note, this is a quick aside. I've told this story before. My dream was when they're talking about having the college football national championship game in Minneapolis. And it was back when they were playing it in Auburn and Alabama were both pretty good. Keep in mind, Auburn played for a national title in 2013. My dream for a while was. Fourteen playoff, Auburn wins their side, Bama wins their side, and they have to go play the Iron Bowl in January in Minneapolis. <laughs> and then I was going to sit there and put on my bathrobe and put a log on the fire and have a cocktail and listen to Fine Bomb every single day while these jokers are driving their RVs from Alabama to Minneapolis to watch the Iron Bowl. Hmm. Oh, Paul! I'm about 14 miles outside here on I-80 with cold corn and snow everywhere and I'll get your war eagle and go call up and go beat be Bammers today. Uh, is, we're going to Eddie's in an RV on uh, I-80. Oh, Eddie, go ahead. You're going. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh, they go to the barner on there and get roll tide and up back and bridge some trees. And the trees don't even grow up there. There's nothing but corn and snow. And then the tailgate before the game was have to be epic. It's like if, if the Grove and like uh, the Buffalo Bills fans had a baby, you know, because <laughs> yeah. the, 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 the Alabama and all the people out there in the parking lot, Sondra, it does have a dome, but I'm talking about the pregame. They'll be fine once they get inside. Okay? Yeah, they'll be okay the pre- inside. Yeah. I'm talking about the tailgating and the trip. Yeah, oh my gosh, you know, you're out there. It's, it's it's six degrees. Auburn and Bama are about to play. I mean, how weird would that be? <laughs> Propane hose and iron bowls. Smokey's ribs. Auburn fans are going to poison Lake Superior. <laughs> can't get Lake this Superior. meat over 100 degrees. This <laughs> <laughs> meat. You're like frozen your beers. I mean, they wouldn't know what the hell to do. I mean, seriously, I, mean, I want to see that two SEC teams, preferably Auburn and Alabama, play in Minneapolis. So, well, you know, you just—I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think. Well, uh, no. I mean, I, they haven't put one in Minneapolis. I think. I think. I think you're gonna. They have the, the Indies about as far north. They may at one point, but I. It was weird enough that the one in L.A. didn't allow tailgating. She's a Georgia fan, and she uh, she took some pictures. It was very That's, bizarre. You know what? That you know, was not. Um, that was not. Just, out there, that's happened at the last three college football playoffs. All three really? sites, the college really? football playoff has not allowed tailgating. Hmm. So, and you've got because you've got I, um you got I went they're gonna be in for Georgia Bama and you could tailgate. Yeah, they've they've I, I I wonder if it's because they've now created these tailgates with all this money they're paying all these performers and stuff yeah. and trying to encourage that or encourage I don't know what they're encouraging because the rest of college football 
Because I know, let's see, this coming year they're in Houston, right? In 24? Yeah. I'd have to ask my Clemson buddies about San Francisco if they allowed it out there for that one. Remember in 18? Yeah. Hmm. 18. Then in 19, it was where? New Orleans. No. Uh, it was, no. In 19, no, yeah, it was, 19 it was. Clemson LSU was in New Orleans. No, that was, oh, yeah, yeah. But it was yeah, 20, the 19 season, 2020. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then 21, pandemic, that was in Miami. Miami. Yeah, and then twenty two was in Indy. They didn't allow an Indy either. No, and they didn't allow it in Miami either. I like that's maybe maybe the, maybe the pandemic started that, and we're not allowing tailgating. But I can't imagine yeah. why they wouldn't have done that this year. I mean, but that was a, and it wasn't even a state law. People were hammering, and I was one of them, who were hammering on the state of California and the Bay Area and the counties. It was not them. Um, I. I absolutely retract what my statements I read into this a ton to make sure that I could. And I said, Oh my God, I'm wrong because uh, there, it was a college football playoff decision. Yeah. Well, whoever's deciding that's a moron. I don't, again, I'm asking this question again, who are the people? It's not the the selection. It's not the selection committee. The selection committee puts the teams in the games. It's not them. It's like the, the, the uh, comments we had earlier this week, you know, executives say, who are executives? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, who is, are is they? There is no commissioner. So who he are the executives? Like Bill Cosby there, too. Who are the people? Who are these people? <laughs> that's what I'm asking. Yellow pudding pop. Who are these people? I mean, who are, the, who are these people? I, I don't I don't understand it. I and I see Saunders said when they're in Atlanta. I don't know when they're gonna be back in Atlanta. Um Oh, it's it's, it's coming up. It's it's not it's like twenty 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 six six, something like that. Yeah, I have no idea. Now Vegas. Well see, some of these places though don't have room. Oh, twenty five like, in, like, in Atlanta. Like the, some of these places don't have room. Like like okay, it's the new stadium in Las Vegas. I think they do have a parking lot next to it, but it's like you basically like if my if I was going to a game there, my strategy to tailgate would be to sit over at the Mandalay Bay and um uh, <laughs> with a cocktail in my hand, waiting on my spray tan, right? Yeah. Uh and then walking across the bridge to the stadium. Cause it, it, in the Indy, I don't think has a lot of room downtown either. So that may be a parking thing. I you know, I know well, I mean how I do Colts the, fans tailgate? But I know San Francisco though that 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 stadium's out in the burbs in Santa Clara. They got plenty of land around that thing. And so same thing with Miami. I mean, so I don't know. Yeah, yeah this is got to be this ridiculous. The whole thing's ridiculous. I mean, my God, the college football was built around tailgating. For God's sake, you're going to take it away from them the biggest game of the year. It's just stupid. No, not I mean, Georgia's governor though. You better well, you better I mean, hope uh, Brian Kemp's still in office though, and you don't some of those one of those other governors down potential yeah. governors down there don't slide well, in. They'll have to do what Ron DeSantis does down in Florida: sign laws in that people can't come in and break through. You know, that's what yeah, they literally yeah. have to do: sign some type of law in that says the NCAA cannot prohibit tailgating in the state of Georgia. See, see the NCAA with, with the college football playoff, NCAA doesn't have anything to do with it. Yeah, they, oh, they, they provide the refs, and that's about it, and the, yeah. the rules of the game, and that's about it. So, yeah, I don't know who the. Uh, uh, I mean, that, that's very interesting. That's something I'm gonna have to look up. Yeah, I, I don't know who the people weird. are. When something happens in the NFL, it goes to the league office. It's called the league office, and then you know who these committees are and you know who the commissioner is, and that's it. I mean, they, they, there's always a name with a face or a face with a name 
or name with an executive or whatever it is. In college football, it's just let's just throw a bunch of crap against the wall and then say that executives said. Well, who are they? Somebody tell me who the executive is. Is it, is it John? Is it my neighbor? The guy that drives a truck? You know, I mean, who is it? I don't know. I, it drives me nuts because they, the people that continuously screw up college sports, sports are the ones that know nothing about college sports. That never makes any sense to me. Anyway, yeah, see, they're like at SoFi Stadium in LA, it's the All State Championship game tailgate event, and they wanted to make money off of it. And then an alumni association, see, yeah, they kind of tried to pin this on on Stan Kroenke, the uh, former owner of the Rams, but uh, it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't LA. It was it was the the, the organizers. That's just kind of weird. Yeah, that makes sense. So that's, uh, that's, that's yeah. I'm looking at the college football playoff uh, management structure here. So you got the management committee, which is ten conference commissioners and Notre Dame AD. Then you have something above that, the board of managers, which are eleven university presidents and chancellors. Oh so my God! The uh, <laughs> the answer is embedded right there. There it is. <laughs> There's mean, the answer. I mean, no offense to these people, but they know Jack. You know what about running a college football game? Yeah, yeah. I mean, come on. Jeez. I mean, we just got to be – college football has got to be, be – that's why there's all the issues you have because there's no leadership. It's poor, all of it. Nobody, I, Sankey continues to position himself to be the guy if they can ever figure out how to get there. But, um, but right now they can't figure out how to get there, so we just have to deal with college football executives said. <laughs> hey, yeah. if you're in charge, step up to the plate, pal. And say, I'm the one that said it, and here's why. Then nobody ever does that. Nobody does that. It's crazy. No, let's just say these people don't look like they're going to be in front of a camera claiming anything here anytime soon. No, they're not going to do it. <laughs> no. The fans are what? They, they see. Look like the, the, yeah, the face of obfuscation. <laughs> all right, so all it was, too, was this. Like, okay, so they, they did say this. All right, so they said you could bring a cooler, and you could actually, like, quote-unquote tailgate. In your car. You, you just couldn't have uh, – well, that's what tailgating is. is you're supposed to sit on the tailgate, right? That's where it originated. This I thought it said you couldn't be outside of your vehicle. Well, how are you going to drink a beer? It's against the law to drink that's, a beer in your car, man. I mean, that's an open container. That's my point. It's like, well, you can have some drinks in your car, but wait a second. That would mean I would be behind the wheel. Exactly. We're going to get you. You know, yeah, like, hand, hand, Bill this, Hancock, this, this, this for it. <laughs> Bill, Bill Hancock, the, 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 the executive director of the playoff before that is BCS. He, he says the most, he's the nicest guy ever. He yeah. says the most without saying anything of any person I've ever met in sports, but yeah. he said, fans are welcome to bring their coolers and enjoy themselves in their parking spaces in their parking spaces at SoFi stadium on Monday night. In addition, we're hosting ah, the all state championship tailgate. That's a free event open to all tailgate holder ticket holders of people that own the ticket. Okay. Bans for both schools as well as well. Uh, but for us to operate parking operations efficiently, we, we can't allow them to set up tents and grills or adjacent because we have limited on-site parking. Well, maybe that, I don't know. No, we need not, to dig in more. It's all that. a lie. It's all a lie. The, the 49ers play there. I mean, the Rams. Yeah, well, you mean the Chargers and Rams. Yeah. yeah well, they, they, they allow tailgating. The yes, Chargers it Rams. works. They, they yeah, do you, tailgate. You this think is all they're not a lot. grilling before the game? Yeah. I, I mean, mean come ridiculous. on. Like, 
do they really think this is we're just cutting TV on for the first time and seeing a football game? Like, <laughs> Blind Squirrel, do you really just say you prefer living in Naperville, Illinois, or Joliet over Georgia? Over Georgia? You must be in not a great part of Georgia. Look, I didn't like Georgia either when I lived there, to be honest. I lived in Atlanta twice. It just wasn't my thing. I actually Atlanta. like Chicago better. I love uh, North Georgia. As far as the South, totally. Yeah. yeah. Well, North Georgia is spectacular. By the way, Ryan brought it. Gunther Cunningham was the head coach of the Chiefs and then came back as D coordinator. Oh. But still no college example. <laughs> not not that we're aware of. Maybe on like the D3 level or something, you know. Think, I think this through. Oh, I bet there is some on that level. Yeah. Interim head coaches, Brian McClendon was interim at Georgia. Then now he's back as a coordinator or something. That's weird. Oh, that's, that's different. All right. Loophole. All right. Well, tomorrow's Friday, and I don't know what the hell we're doing during this show tomorrow. I'll probably be drinking if it keeps up this way. So, uh <laughs> I know Phil. Phil's going to shove an Oreo or two up his nose when he gets off the air. So everybody, thoughts and prayers with Phil. Uh, the squirrel mentioned Portillo's. I think that's a good idea call for me for lunch. By the way, there you ah. go. Serious Beef. thoughts and prayers though to seventy six Gamecock who's in with sure. us every day, all day, and his brother sure. who's having a liver transplant, the fourth attempt at this. Uh, we will be thinking about you, and we sure hope you're with us tomorrow at eleven with some good news. That said. Thanks to all of you, and always thanks to JC and Phil. We'll see you tomorrow at 11 on Inside the Gamecocks.